We got to reunite these countries, put the Disneyland in there, and just go have some fun. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, April 14th, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 504. This is No Agenda. From the Travis Heights hideout where SoCo meets MoFo in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm your keyboard cowboy. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley where I'm reading tweets, I'm John C. Devorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. That's uh, for our Spanish listeners. Spanish. Yeah, well, we have to get... We know the Spanish listeners are way on board with the conspiracy theories. So we, uh, I decided to up my game. They don't have conspiracy theories. Uh, correct. We have conspiracy fact. <laughs> conspiracy fact. So, uh, I don't know how much they have to pound us with this, but today's New York Times, Sunday uh, New York Times, mm-hmm. uh, you should uh, dig around while we're doing the show and see if you can find the cover of the New York Times magazine. Okay. And uh, you'll see a giant photo of Uma and Anthony. <laughs> Wait, but isn't this the, the article that we read from? Wasn't that uh, wasn't that actually in the New York Times magazine? Um, no, this is today's New York Times magazine. Oh, really? Yes, it just came out today. Today. Wow. Let me see. So, we, so they. It looks like the same hagiography. Is it written by the same longer. dude? Yeah, is it, but is it written by the same dude? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Same shill. Yeah. Jonathan Van Meter. Yeah. <laughs> they do have the one set commonalities. They have that one picture of the two of them sitting at the desk. I don't see it. Uh, I'm looking for it, but I don't see it online anywhere. April, yeah. I don't know if they put the New York Times Magazine photos online. Mm. Anyway, it's like a longer, I think it's the same article or at least a longer version. But why do you run it twice? Well, because it's it's important in the paper. Then you run it in the New York Times magazine and give them the front page with giant red letters. Uma and Anthony, the private life of a former power couple. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, well, here's a small prediction then. Well, the weird thing is that I hate hate to say this because I don't really care, but you do look to see if his uh, jeans are unzipped. Uh, that's not even worth it in the morning. That's not even. That was really not that's that supposed good. Supposed to be funny, no. but that's exactly what everyone will no. do. No, that's not like a couple headshots. Well, <laughs> then again, even that, even that doesn't get an in the morning from me. Um, no, I, I, I think it's a, it, it's very simple to predict that the New York Times, uh, in the form of Mister Van Meter, there uh, will have a huge exclusive interview with Hillary Clinton. That's why this is happening because that's you know he does he does all the Hillary puff pieces. He did the Vogue piece. He did the behind the scenes with Hillary. All of that stuff is what this guy does. So yeah, this is being pushed, and uh, and there's a quid pro quo for that. So you know because what you know wait 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 well, the quid pro quo from who the from, New York Times from Hillary do, he's doing them a favor. No, he's doing he's doing it to get Hillary in a big exclusive when she announces or something. It'll be something like that. Well, you're saying that he's doing this hagiography for the benefit of Hillary. Yeah, of course. Her, her girlfriend is uh, part is, of this. Yeah, <laughs> that's her. Uma Huma is her girlfriend, of course. And the whole thing was always it was always set up that way for for Anthony. we went through all this. Anthony was going to become yeah, yeah we did as a mayor, fact, so we don't need to go through it any longer. Yeah. Okay. I, but Hillary did crop up though over the weekend. Actually, it was I guess on the fifth that she really showed up at this woman's conference again. Uh, 
as some of our producers have pointed out, wearing her fuchsia dress. <laughs> okay. When she's always, you know, free and easy, she wears her, that's her, I, I don't know what the, that dress is supposed to prove. And uh, she had a, uh, a number of, uh, you know, she was talking at this women's conference with a bunch of really bad information, or actually, I think, misleading, incredibly misleading information. Uh, I have a clip. Okay. I want to play just a bit of it. Yeah, sure. Well, there's a couple of Clinton clips. I'm not sure which one. Uh, the one about... Work, uh, work and life expectancy? Yeah. Okay, here we go. We now have American women at the high levels of business. Academia. Yeah, and how, and how well is that working out? <laughs> Let's see. What do we have? What was HP? Carly Fiorona? Fior, Ferrucci? Fiorini. Fiorini. Well, we have some other uh, great women uh, CEOs. Well, HP was just a bad example every which way. Oh. It, it hasn't been any worse than the guys. Academia, right. government, you name it. But as we have seen in recent months, we're still asking age-old questions about how to make women's way in male-dominated fields, how to balance the demands of work and family. Yeah. The Economist magazine recently published what it called a glass ceiling index, ranking countries based on factors like opportunities for women in the workplace and equal pay. The United States was not even in the top ten. Recent studies have found that on average, women live shorter lives in America than in any other major industrialized country. Think about that for a minute. Hold on, John. Let's wait for one minute. I'm waiting. I got to think about this. Yeah, for a minute. Is this so, really true? Is this, this I've, I've heard this statistic, but I, I've always okay, kind well, of questioned statistic, it. statistic, the glass ceiling thing is bogus. All you have to do is go look at their, their how they figured out these numbers, and it's got it's really got more to do is how many di- women ditch diggers are working for union wages in a country mm. and what opportunities they have. And so you have countries like the number one country in the world was New Zealand. I think Sweden was number two. So if you want to become a ditch digger, I think you could uh, do very well, and you don't have to compete with the men. The whole thing was that is bogative. Then she, she apparently pulls a non sequitur and links it to this life expectancy thing. Well, yes, this is true, but men are even worse off in the United States than ah, women in ah. terms of, I mean, it's not as though the women are dropping dead and the men aren't. No, they're still living five or years or more longer than men. And, but our life expectancy in this country has, is flatlined because our healthcare system sucks. Our, our food supply is poisoned. And there's a number of factors involved here <laughs> that have, have contributed to this. And she doesn't have anything to do. It's got something to do with the gender gap or whatever. Oh, okay. So what, so oh, this is very interesting. So what you're saying is, uh, men in America are also very poor off, but in fact, the women in America live longer than the men in America, which is what yeah. I've always believed. Uh, it's still true, but yeah. she doesn't say anything about that. Ah. She, she, this whole thing was she, this was a very misleading, yeah. typical Hillary kind of thing. What, but and what the, what is our life expectancy? Uh, are are you on the cusp there? Are you on I'm the edge? Drop, yeah. <laughs> you could go at any moment. I think men live to seventy two, and then they they. That's wow, the that's it. That's that. Yeah, that, that's, that's the average. I mean, the average is, of course, you know, you if you get that far, you get shot at getting. That's an average. So you, not that many people die at seventy two right, exactly. Right. Although the people who have died at exactly seventy two are always amusing. <laughs> a barrel of a barrel of nuts. They tend to be health nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They, huh. they die right in the average age. So, uh, but anyway, so this was a very misleading. This it was some conference on women for women by women. 
and uh, and the, another, another one of the speakers, which is all the other Clinton clips I have, was was uh, Chelsea, uh-huh. and her <laughs> played the little short. There's a little short intro to her thing, which as soon as I, I wasn't going to watch it until I heard the intro, and I said, "Wait a minute! It's it's the Chelsea Clinton moderates a panel pre-announcement." Also at the Women in the World Summit in New York City, Chelsea Clinton moderated a panel of women tech entrepreneurs. Ah. This is just over 25 minutes. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> women tech entrepreneurs? Wait, so she had Marissa Meyer there, of course. Nope. No. She had, she had nobody. She had. She couldn't get, swing the bat hard enough to get anybody worth a shit. So wow. She had, so she had some woman who was a Google like a, somebody that worked at Google who started a venture capital company in New York oh. and who didn't know anything, like QXS Capital. I never heard of him. She had a woman who was from AT&T, who I do have a clip from, you have to hear her, mm-hmm. who could not say anything coherent. <laughs> well, she was just a, it's AT&T. We don't hear anything on their phone system either. So that kind of makes sense. Folks, whole idiot. And then they had the key person that was on. There's another one. There's a th- hold on, hold on, hold on a second. I'm reading it right here, and let's see what we have. Uh, so this whole article, I'm reading about the article. They talk about so she should have had Cheryl Sandberg, obviously, who has uh, right. She did not have Cheryl because Sandberg. you know Cheryl Sandberg has you know a, a, a oh, big. She's got the book. Everybody's she's got, talking. Yeah, about. it's the big seller book. Lean in. No, no, lean in. It's not lean. For, you're confusing that with her other promotion. Lean forward. <laughs> then we have Marissa Meyer. Over was the first working time. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, John. In the morning. Really. Uh, the panel consisted of Reshma Saujani, founder of Girls Who Code, yeah, a nonprofit. Ugh. Nonprofit. Oh, I'm so sick of nonprofits. Leah Busk, the founder and CEO of Task Rabbit. Oh, and on- oh, oh! Now that you mentioned, I forgot to get a clip from her. She was just the dingiest. Well, you know, she sounded like a valley girl who was just a dummy. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks for sharing. That's an online mobile marketplace that allows users to outsource small jobs or tasks to others in their localities. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Andrea Zurek. The founding partner of XG Ventures, venture capitalist firm that invests in burgeoning tech companies. What does burgeoning mean? Like they're bulging oh, at the side? <laughs> they're going to blow. <laughs> they're going to blow. And Esther Lee, senior vice president of brand marketing, advertising, and sponsorships at at and who I'm sure underwrote the entire conference. Otherwise, right, why would she be there? Who's going to be there? That's why nobody was there. There wasn't one moderately famous woman except the, the girls who code girl mm-hmm. uh, and you can kind of get a, a, a glimpse on the girls who code play the girls who code preamble uh-huh. uh, which is the which was the this was the way they started off the segment with the movie you know one of those little movies at the yeah you've seen these right <laughs> yeah you go to these conferences <laughs> a vi- I think it's crappy movie I think it's called a vignette is that what it is I think it's a vignette a video vignette so they play a video vignette to introduce us to everyone, and they, and of course, nobody that's in the video vignette is actually on the panel. But, <laughs> but it gives us an idea with how important, with how things are changing. My family is huge and crazy. All together in this household is eight children. It's a hectic, busy life. I'm 16. My father, he's working 15-hour days, and he's trying as best as he can to support us. My life was pretty difficult when I lived back in Brooklyn. 
things were just really hard. We didn't have much money. I was in the library one day in my school, and the librarian comes up to me and says, Julia, I think that you'd be a good fit for this program. You should try it out. I looked at the paper, and it said, Girls Who Code, and something just clicked. In Girls Who Code, I learned everything from robotics to user interface and web design. We also learned programming languages. I don't know if you guys want me to explain it or you just want to play it. Play it. I just want to play it. That sounds play. really cool. Being involved in exposed technology has definitely changed my life. Now I've decided that I want to double major in computer science and physics when I go to college. Julia has been an inspiration to the whole family. Is she a 12? <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. This is, uh, okay, yeah. Oh, robotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You know, all these things are scams. Well, there's a lot of them that are, and girls who, but there's this major push to getting girls to code. But what is the not, again in JavaScript. All right, let me take a look at this. Girls who code is a nonprofit. Why does it have to be a nonprofit? Why? Why, 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 why? Well, they make the mistake, and I'm going to. I'm sick and tired of this nonprofit culture. It's sucking off the teat of the government, and it's just to keep people in. It's a jobs program. All these nonprofit bullcrap things. Well, if they get a government grant, then I would agree with you, but uh, they probably did, not you mentioned. Well, I'm looking at it right now because this is, let's see. uh, This is bothering him. Kristen Kristen Titus, she's the executive director. Who is she? Who's this other woman then? Yeah, Kristen Titus. She is former consultant to nonprofit organizations, foundations, and corporate partners. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ashley Gavin. What is? Uh, hmm, hmm, let's see. Board of directors. From the looks of those. Uh, anyway. Board of directors and brain trust. They have a brain trust, John. We, yeah, need, we need a, a oh, brain, tr- brain yeah, trust. It's called our knights. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's an insult to call them brain trust. Yes, the brain trust of. Oh, she, let's see. Oh, AT and T is a sponsor, a 2013 program partner, and that's oh, how it and works. That's coincidental people. because on the same panel mm-hmm. was the stooge from AT and T who had nothing to say. By the way, so I think mobility, smartphones is just beginning. So. Whenever someone says mobility, I'd like <laughs> I'm run, tuning out. Run for the exits. <laughs> I'm tuned out or mobility. All right. So some of the things that we're working on are things like our uh, home automation. Connected car. Think about the light. Connected car. Oh, think about this is yeah. home automation is so important. You know, I don't know how people can get can't get by. I don't know how they get by before home automation. You, your home must be totally automated. It's God knows when you leave for the office and you. Oh, I forgot to turn off the kitchen. Light. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. Mickey says to me, "Honey, can you turn on the back light before we leave?" Sure, honey. I'll automate that. And I, I literally stick a plug into an outside socket. That <laughs> I'm not kidding. That And then sometimes when we come home and it's all pretty and the lights are on, I'll say, gee, someone cares. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's our, that's our auto. Usually I forget the front porch light. But home automation, this has been going. This Remember X10? This is how it all started. Oh, no, I, I, oh. I'm right with you. I remember home automation in the 70s. Uh, what was that, with strings and pulleys? No, I'm telling you, this the X10 thing is predated by other crazy ideas that never went anywhere. Then mm. X, when X10 came around, it was like, this is it. Finally, we That's standardized it. this. That's it, standardized. <laughs> and you had these big, you had the big, ugly things you had to plug in everywhere. 
You know that you know, the oh yeah, big clunker. So I put one of these. I put an X10 system in my mom's house. Uh huh. Because I thought maybe she would. John, hello. Can you come in and take this stuff out? I can't figure out how to use it. <laughs> take this stuff out. It's it's like you push the button and it turns it on. And I, no, no, no. Get, get it. How you mock the dead? That's crazy. My, this is exactly what she said. <laughs> Same thing with a microwave. <laughs> Oh All right. Hold on, I, I, I got to listen to the rest of this woman because so far she's we've we are exactly eleven seconds into the clip. Well, actually, you're listening to Chelsea. No, this is Chelsea. The woman comes on is worse. Oh no, I got to rewind this. Okay, so the connected car, the, you know, you know, okay, prediction. Um, Chelsea Clinton, big Ted speech coming up. She's gonna oh. she's gonna do a. <laughs> She's going to do a big... This is a shoot. Damn, you got one. You don't even have to put it in the book. You know it's coming. Oh, <laughs> you know it's coming. So I think mobility, smartphones is just beginning. So It's just beginning. Oh, oh. And, you, and, you, and you know that people are sitting there going, oh, Chelsea's so smart. Oh, yeah. She's, I mean, I, she is I just... I got to make sure that this is Chelsea because I did, I, I remember when I clipped it, I thought I kept Chelsea. You think it's Chelsea? I don't know. Yeah, but I, I just want to point one thing out. Uh, and this will sound, you know, it's, and this is going to come across as this whole segment. So far, I think women have already kicked, turned off the show because they're like, oh, these buddy. But Not seriously, necessarily. But um, when they haven't heard what we're about to say, right? Right. I, I hope it's coming. <laughs> when when women, uh, when you know, when one woman is bullcrapping and the other woman is is you know is talking about her, they always use the word smart. Oh, she's so smart. Smart. I've just heard, yeah, it's, ah! Oh, you know, she's just an incredibly smart, smart woman. Some of the things that we're working on are things like our That's the AT&T woman, yeah. Automation. Yeah, connected car. Oh. Think about the life that goes on in your home and your car. Oh. <laughs> what goes on in my home and my car? Hmm. Think about it. Think about the life that goes on in your home I'm and your car. <laughs> Uh, turning on the lights for your kids. Whoa! Hey, what what happened to the sh- hey, to, hey, hey, to the key around the neck? Hey, honey, do you have the uh, iPad? No, where is it? I got to turn the lights on for, for the, the kids. kids. They're going to be sitting in the dark. They won't know how to turn the lights on. They don't know how to turn on the lights because they're idiots. Our kids is so bad. Things like that. Things like that. Um, so we're we're really getting into a place where it's about life spaces. It's life space. <laughs> I'm sorry. Life spaces? I love this. It's not just about productivity. And this is where we actually need women at the table to create the right kinds of solutions. Yes, because we need women. Women have the answer. For they have the right solutions for our life spaces. Um, we had a hackathon, uh, actually. A hackathon. Oh, she's, John, she's hitting all my buttons in 30 seconds so far. A hackathon. CES. That, you know, you could, I knew that it would, it would because oh. she, when I listened to her, she had nothing to say. She just had cliches. Oh, but I, let's keep it going because this is great. Las Vegas in, in January. And interestingly, at, at the uh, hackathon, there were hardly any women. But how is that interesting? Because she's taking money to promote women, I guess. 
I'm uh, okay, and this is a very interesting outfit. I'm doing some some googling here too. Our call management, our, uh, tel- our call management platform to create call management platforms called an answering machine. <laughs> call, <laughs> call management. It's called voicemail. <laughs> call management platform. It's not just anything. It's a platform. <laughs> It's called voicemail. <laughs> uh, John, I left. Uh, uh, I, I left a. Uh, well, we need a different word for message. Yeah, I left, I left a, a communication uh, on your uh, on your call management platform. Communications unit <laughs> on the on the platform. <laughs> to create a new technology that senses your mood and decides to whether to put uh, call into voicemail. Bad mood. <laughs> I, t- I told you, it's a voicemail. It's a freaking voicemail. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so he actually demonstrated it right on the on the. Uh, like, I didn't turn off your phone call. It was my mood. <laughs> exactly. but- yeah, I, I, I bet you're not taking calls at least once a month. The, the- that was it? It's over? <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. I mean, they're laughing. That, that was the joke. You you know that they, were, they all wanted to make that joke. Except they can't do that, of course. I guess maybe they can. Maybe the women can get away with it. It's like what bla- was that you just played? That was uh, AT and T Clinton idiots. <laughs> okay. So I still have. We still have left. <laughs> <laughs> I hope um, girls well, we who code. The girl, the girl from who I thought was the CEO, but apparently she's not. The girls who code girl. Now hold on, hold on a second. I'm looking at girls who code here, okay. and uh, so this is a nonprofit, and and they're. Um, they're underwriters, advertisers, call it what you want. Their 2013 program partners are Twitter, GE, Knight Ritter, AT&T, Goldman Sachs, IAC, that's Barry Diller, Intel, Cornell NYC, Tech, eBay. And then they have funders, uh, a lot of the same. And in addition to that, Google, Sequoia Capital, Craigslist, Foundation, uh, the Teal Foundation. And this is a who's who of douchebaggery. Meet the girls. It literally said, meet the girls. Well, whoa, hi, my name's Julia. I'm 15 from Brooklyn. I love physics and enjoy sports. Work at a local food bank. Oh, I save silver foil to help the poor black children in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Testimonials. Yeah, you're right. right. So at, at this address, 28 West 23rd Street is also... The Editorial ah. Freelancers Association, who had a Scrabble night recently, I'm seeing here. Nice. Oh, yeah. I missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, upcoming April 24th, our oh, monthly I Scrabble night. Oh, I in New York and do a little Scrabble. Open to all takes place at, girls. E- at EFA headquarters. Uh, let's see. What else is on? Uh, in Good Company is located there. What's In Good Company? They are uh, same same floor, same address, everything. In Good Company... Where women entrepreneurs go to work, meet, and learn. Oh, this, of course, is the commercial side. I see. You, you, get, you fund everything on the bullcrap side with your foundation. And then they have In Good Company, where women entrepreneurs go to work, meet, and learn. Or is this just another scam? Well, this is oh, on their website. Good. Our story, like that of many entrepreneurs... 
So who's in this? Founders: Amy Abrams, Adelaide Lancaster. Hmm. Well, that's definitely commercial. I mean, it's just it's a whole nest of women up there. I noticed that the the color pink is used excessively by both these websites. They're probably a little de- bit sexist. Yeah, probably developed by the same same company. It should be decoded by the girls who code. And then AppNexus is also on uh, the same address. What is AppNexus? I've heard of AppNexus. Haven't I heard of AppNexus? What is AppNexus? Let me guess. AppNexus, today's most powerful, open, and customizable advertising technology platform. Ah, spammers. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, let's listen to the girls who code. And speak about their journey, having them talk about, you know, the things that they learned, how they're building their business, so that the girls see women who look like them. I mean, that's also the most important thing, especially for the girls of color that are in our program. <laughs> girls of color. Oh, they're in our program utilizing our messaging platform. You know, when we, when we started Girls Who Code, I couldn't even find one black female engineer in the entire city. Can you imagine that? So, you know, for these you didn't look girls, hard enough. Yeah, really. I, I, know, I know. I can at least think of one. <laughs> and it, it's like so, John Kerry and his binders full of women. Yeah. Powerful Girls Who Code. We just had our uh, application process at, as Google, and you saw all these Latino, Asian American, African American. I love it when the, she, she must be Latin. Latino. No, she's Indian. Oh, really? Because I love it when, you know, it's kind of like when, when you have... Uh, oh, yeah, like we have this guy, uh, uh, this guy in the Bay Area who's a, who's a Latino reporter. He's always been, but he's been doing this for like 25 years. Right, and then years. the minute he says... It's, it's a- <laughs> Latino, Latino. Application process at, at Google, and you saw all these Latino, Asian-American, African-American girls coming in, you know, saying, I want to learn how to code. Did she say Asian-American? I don't know. Play it again. Oh, my God. Man. Are we going nuts here? Girls coming in, you know, saying, I want to learn how to... Hold on. I'm back a little bit further. I think she's Asian-American. It's a new one. You know, for these girls, and it, it's so powerful, girls, where we just had our uh, application process at, as Google, and you saw all these Latino, Asian-American, African-American girls coming in. <sighs> Asian-American, African-American. Why don't you say uh, Mexican-American? Or Latin American. I guess you could say Latin American, right? Latin American, Asian American. No, Latin American, I think, would refer to someone that lives in Latin America. It's a problem. But you could uh. say Mexican American. Yeah, Mexican American is better. And then we. And well, you could say Latin American American. Oh, but huh? I, like, I like Latina. Latina. Yeah, so why do they, why do they Asian, get the special moniker? Asian American. You know, saying, I want to learn how to code. Teach me. Black American. Um, we- no, African American. from the country of black? I mean, what's the deal there? <laughs> See, companies. <laughs> You know, one of my girls, Cotty, uh, came here from Senegal. And in Senegal, they don't give women or girls exposure to technology. And so within the first day of the program, we had to teach her how to use a mouse. But eight weeks later, she had built a website on how to teach other girls... How to use a mouse. ...how to code in 32 different languages. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, good. It's affirmative action for women is what it is, essentially. Right? Uh, there's something more going on here. I don't think it's an affirmative action thing at all. They are, uh, there's a huge push to get these, to just get low-wage coders into the marketplace, flood the marketplace with coders mm-hmm. for some some nefarious reason. I have yet to figure it out. Hmm. But I think that, that you know, it's, this is essentially, especially if they're talking about this sort of coding that is go, that's modern coding, it's, they figured that, I, I'm going to, now this is where I'm going to go a little bit 
off the deep end here with us. You could get a little complaints from someone. Uh, but it's a little bit like knitting. Okay. And it's a very tedious little process. And I th- if somebody's come up with that, you know, I think women could do this. Let's stick them with this crappy job. And so they... Uh, and women are falling into it. Like, there's no tomorrow. Right. Okay. Okay. No. Oh, I'm. I'm not. I'm totally with you. This is like wartime, World War Two, and uh, all women uh, went to work in the factories. Uh, welders. Yes. Yeah, thank it's you. Also, a tedious job. Oh, and it hurts your eyes if you do it wrong. Well, you. Yeah. Go on. So these are basically. So you're thinking this is a a code monkey type of uh, assembly line that uh, that is being uh, cranked up here. Yeah, I believe so. Mm. And when you use uh, with the new products out there that are that are uh, amenable to this sort of monkey like behavior, yeah. uh, Git, for example, is is pretty much taking over the. Uh, what is taking the, over? Git. Git. Yeah, you should look this, look into this. This is a uh, Linus. Uh, uh, you mean GitHub? Uh, GitHub is that what you're talking about? Well, it's it's the Git. It's the the program is called Git. It's yeah, a, it, okay, it's Git. A yeah. Program. yeah, it's a, a software re- revision. Uh, right. Yeah, Git. I, I've got a GitHub account. Oh, you would. Yeah, of course I do. So anyway, so Git, which is the basis for it, yeah. is being used by everybody except I think Google. Right. And um, so it makes it now you can do big projects and without stepping all over each other. So I think you can set up an assembly line of code monkeys. Mm-hmm. Cheaply, and if there's enough of them, we don't have to bring in H1Bs right. out of India, who aren't that good anyway, believe me. And uh, although, and you you can tell because they obviously aren't making any money in India, or we show some benefits since the Indians can't speak English and listen to our show. But I'm okay with that. What, creating these assembly lines? and Yeah, I mean, look, we clearly need to do something. So it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing. No, I never said it was a bad thing, but I'm just telling you, I think it's onerous because it's not, It's not. you know, everyone thinks they're going to become Steve Wozniak or Bill Gates right. or some sort of entrepreneur like the girl that was up there, the dingbat who ran that little company right. who never thought she'd ever become an entrepreneur and never thought of herself as one, uh, whatever that rabbit is, mm-hmm. task rabbit. So uh, um, the uh, Girls Who Code Inc., uh, has only was incorporated in uh, 2012. Has not filed any Form 990 information. So this is a very new organization, right? I think it's taking advantage of what's going on on the East Coast. They're sticking it into the, the I mean the West Coast. The West Coast has these movements that started some time back to like you know uh, standardized coding amongst the assembly line workers essentially. Hmm. And the East Coast is always you know with all these politicos and the Bloomberg's and all these right. other guys. They're always trying to get on, you know, Silicon Alley, right. what crap that is. Yeah. And they're always trying to, you know, scrounge up some uh, some attention. Well, this and is, I, this is what I mean. Is, you know, in, in New York, they have tech stars. And they've got all these bogative, you know, that's why the Teal Foundation is in on this. It, it's all, it, yeah. It's, uh, I, th- I think at the, at, the, at the core, all of these types of programs are intended to... Um, Get get people working, doing things, and then you know if there's like that next thing that is just happens to pop out of it to be the first one to jump on top, pounce, and screw whoever invented it. That's basically what I think is going on with all of these initiatives. You know, give oh we do a hackathon. What is what is the point of a hackathon? At the point, the point, it's like all of these things, you know, pitch your, pitch your project, you know, uh, 
uh, Operation um, uh, Startup, uh, Angels Limited. All of the stuff is, you know, hopefully defined the next, you know, the next cool thing and then just have an edge and, and be able to beat everyone to a pulp because of the investors, they all think, you know, and these, of course, are all, um, you know, usually guys who have, uh, who had a very successful, uh, IPO or, or their firm was bought. Now they're, you know, an angel investor and they're all just looking for the next thing and they'll do anything to get it. They're, they're, every college in the universe is, and every university is doing this. It's a, it's a big, and, and if it's not that, then it's to, to rent desks to poor saps. That's what's happening in Austin. Oh, oh my God, John, this, this Google Fiber thing. It's it's like everyone's oh I'm moving to Austin stay away stay away <laughs> douchebag it's a curse I talked to the guy what town do you hate there Paige <laughs> uh, you know that Austin needs to eat crap let's <laughs> put the fiber in there that'll screw him so um I spoke to the guy um I'm not going to mention his name because uh, I want to have I want to speak to him again uh, who works for the city who was partially responsible they, they put in a bid originally and then Kansas City won that but they never really stopped. And this whole thing is really, it's a its a mayoral bid. So, you know, we're going to have an election pretty soon. We know that the current mayor is uh, is not going to run. So, you know, we're probably going to see a, a woman mayor in Austin. Uh, and she's kind of Miss Google now, which makes total sense. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Good move, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and of course, you know, Google gets all kinds of benefits for this. You know, they get all kinds, they get, you know, taxes back. And which is, you know, it's appropriate because it's good. It'll, it'll bring in real jobs into Austin. It's just, you know, I'm getting this onslaught of, you know, oh, we'll set up our startup in Austin. No, no, listen, don't. There's no money here. There's none. There's none. We got one venture capital firm, Austin Ventures. And if they pass on you, there's no one else going to give you money. So good, just don't come. Because you're like, hey, why did Austin Ventures pass on you? Well, I don't know. Well, we're not interested. If they can't get the local. <laughs> yeah, we're not interested. No one's flying out. And you should know this rule. Anyone out there who thinks they're going to do a thing and they're going to do it in, in, in North Dakota. Uh, venture capitalists, where most of them are in the West. The, the number one venture capital area where you can get this kind of money just to start something up is in the West Coast, on yeah. the West Coast. It's yeah. generally in Silicon Valley. Yeah. They, every one of these guys, if you talk to any one of them, honestly, they say they will not take a connection flight anywhere. No. Well, you can if fly. You can fly direct to. Uh, Austin. You, if there's a if there's a direct flight, yeah. Well, there is a direct flight out of San Jose specifically for venture capitalists to go to Austin. But I can tell you this much too: they don't even like doing that. No, no, of course not. If, if they can take a quick drive, if their driver can take them to the place within an <laughs> or, about no, no, if it's within minutes. range of their Fisker. <laughs> right within Fisker range, the Fisker, and if the Fisker is in flames, and you know, then at least the Tesla has to be able to make it. Otherwise, yeah. they're not interested. Exactly. Anyway, so I'm just going to say, right? We're not interested in you. Go away. This fiber is for our porn business. Yes, and Austin will become a hub of porn. You have porn? We're going to have porn. Oh, good. It's fantastic. Are you kidding me? Anyway, so uh, I, I, I did, I did say to the guy at the city, I said, "Hey, you know, you're sucking with this. We don't. We, it's great to have the fiber, but we, there's nothing else. Rent is not cheap. It's not cheap." In the city, it's just that you know we have a lack of uh, of of spaces for people. It's only going to fund the pockets of these a holes who have like three, you know, three entrepreneurs. Like, well, if you rent a chair for five hundred dollars a month here in our uh, our incubator, 
uh, you, we guarantee you, uh, you know, you'll have uh, interaction with the uh, with other su- incubator su- suckers, successful entrepreneurs. They try to sucker me into that. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not having any of that. I, I wouldn't even accept money to do it. Ugh. Hey, let's thank our uh, let's thank the people who actually make this show roll because you know there's no money in Austin. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting like any subsidies to do this. Uh, we do have uh, our system, which is uh, fairly close to the Hollywood system of uh, producers and uh, we actually have a lot of, I got a lot of feedback from our uh, from our producers who well some people call them listeners and audience we call them producers because they actually are making no, they the are program producers. they are That's well they actually them. are and then we have our executive producers and associate executive producers who just like uh, uh, the big shows um like the you know, tonight show um they uh, they put up uh, the money and here of course they only get a credit and uh, some honor and uh, if they are Produce enough, they can move up uh, the chain into knighthoods and baronets and baronies and earlhoods and dukedoms. Uh, but there's no actresses, no drugs. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah, it's a drawback. But it's also n- not as expensive as uh, you know, it's like two and a half men. <laughs> yeah, it's not as expensive <laughs> if, you, if you want to be a producer. For a there. lot of different ways. But we do we do get your credit right there uh, up at the beginning as the show is opening. And we're open now, so who do we thank, John? Well, we want to st- thank Tim Saunders for sure in Eaglemont, Victoria for $800. And it should complete his donations for a knighthood. Oh. Uh, and if either should require any advice for the better halves, bits. My wife is an excellent OG, OBGYN and is happy to provide service. Send pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and he and he wants to be known as Sir Papsmeer? Yes, he's now Sir Papsmeer <laughs> as of the nighting later in the day. Wait, so we have dentists. This is good. We've got dentists. We've got uh, now we have uh, OBGYN. And if we have questions, we have to send pictures. We have architects, too. In fact, uh, Astrid, yeah. uh, Dame Astrid came in with $610. And we are running the numbers on her because we believe. Oh, uh, she, she's got to own at least half of the island Mark, of Japan. We'll probably yeah. take over Japan yeah. after we f- figure out how to get the numbers out. I tried to get that this week, but I didn't do it. Hi, Adam. Can you please activate the giant voice system for the following announcement, she asks. <laughs> yeah. Let me, uh, shall I do, let me see. Uh, okay. You can read right after. No, the, I'm, the, I have to activate the giant voice system. Giant voice system has been activated. Dear John, we care about you every day, not just on your birthday. May you and Adam guard reality for the next 500 shows. Best from the land of cherry blossoms, Dame Astrid and Sir Mark. Please return to normal activity. Nice. And, er, er, thank you, Dame. <laughs> uh, I had some more of those, by the way. Someone sent me some. We'll do that in a second. Oh, we'll do it later. But Errol Melanson from Tigard, Tigard, or Tigard, or Tai, whatever it is in Oregon. 414, my earldom note got truncated. In Oregon, you can't pump your own gas. That's what we said. I have two bumper stickers, read the Constitution and in the morning. Lots of gas attendants ask, is no agenda show like Alex Jones? I say, no! <laughs> it's a better what? It's a better and hand them a no agenda. It's, be, it's way better, he says. And then he hands them a no agenda CD, which he believes is a great PR idea. And by the way, the new... New No Agenda CD compilation is out. Uh, uh, this is uh, 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 a fantastic initiative, noagendacd.com. And so no longer are we doing the Archive of the Month. This one is just titled literally Take the Red Pill. 
And uh, you can download the uh, the digital files to burn your own CDs along with the artwork at noagendacd.com. And we really appreciate that as a PR effort. Werner Werner Flipson in Bergen's Hook. Uh, three nine nine nine. I could not find a note from him, but he's um, up there with Hold on a second. Ber- yeah, Bergen's Hook. Hold on a second. We ha- I think we do have... No, I know who he is, and I know what he's done. I don't think I'm at liberty to say. Well, so, don't say then. Well, no, but he. I think he did have a note that he wanted me to read. Let me check. Here it goes. Uh, no, no. We, I guess I don't have an. Oh wait, maybe if I check. Oh, here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, yes, he says. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, he did send me this. Uh, he uh, so he. Uh, he's re- I'm translating freely from Dutch. Three hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. Three hundred thirty three dollars thirty three cents uh, as a pure donation. Uh, could you please send the rest to a friend of mine in Bitcoin? He wants me to send uh, sixty six dollars and sixty six cents in Bitcoin to Joop Kerst. Okay, I'll do that. Please. <laughs> but but let this, this we can't make this a habit. No, never do that again. You shouldn't have done it this time. You should, you should I didn't do it yet. Money. I didn't do it yet. But uh, yeah. he's asking. Let's just say he's uh, he is important in the wireless connectivity arena. Oh, mm-hmm. so I think oh, I, I, I get it. So I don't I don't mind uh, hooking him up for his buddy Yope. Not a problem. Uh, why can't he just do that himself? Yeah, man. I don't know. Because he thinks I'm loaded. I'm on in Emeryville, California, 33333. Hey, John and Adam, haven't donated in a while and thought that while I was blazingly drunk as what I thought that while I'm blazingly drunk was as good a time as any to forge forth towards my eventual damehood. Uh, I'd like to ask for a bit of apartment safety karma while I'm at it. Two days ago, mine and my fiance, Sir Joe Wagner's house was broken into and we like a layer of defense to ward off evil doers. Wow. Thanks for all that you do to brighten our weeks. All the best, Beth and Joe. Wow. No, that sucks. Well here's uh of course, here's some uh some karma. You've got karma. Apartment safety karma. That's horrible. Yeah, terrible. Uh I guess they don't live in Texas. They live in Emeryville where they if they had a gun they probably would have helped. I got I got um so um I guess on the last episode I said, you know, we don't have carjackings and burglaries in uh, in, in Austin, in t- in, in, that I know in Austin. And, of course, uh, one of our producers like, in the past two years, 7,000 burglaries! And I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a figure of speech. Of course there are some burglaries. Like, you deny that that's a burglary. You're saying, it's not the Valhalla that you say it is because you've got guns. It's not the Valhalla. And I said, well, uh, <laughs> let me look at Chicago. Who is this guy? He mm. seems to write you a lot. So uh, I looked at Chicago. Who has, Chicago has about three times the amount of people as uh, live in Austin. Uh, ten times the amount of burglaries. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And for some reason, he didn't write me back after that. Typical. Well, of course not. No. So let's go to our associate executive producers of Vlodek Zileniak. Uh, Vlodek Zilinyek, I think. Zilinyek, maybe, yeah. New York City, 20202. John White and Jackson. Wait, wait, Tennessee. wait, wait, wait. He asked for some job karma. Oh, I did want some job karma. Well, I, the problem is, you know, people can't pronounce your name, Vlodek. Like, hey, yeah. call that guy. Uh, let's give that um, uh, Let's call the other guy. <laughs> You've got <laughs> karma. Yes. Hey, hey, 
The yeah. olden days, you'd change your name to something yeah, like... Yeah, to Bubba. Well, Bubba's not what you change it to. John White in Jackson, Tennessee, 201. It'll be our last executive, associate executive producer. He, uh, episode, uh, is 201. For episode 201, apparently he's... Uh, fallen behind. <laughs> uh, my main reason for donating is to get enough producer credits to get listed on IMDb. So John Mack and Adam Cheese, how do I get IMDb to list me? Just send in cash karma please, Sir Dr. Sharkey. P.S. I'll mail you each a prescription for Cipro <laughs> to use against the upcoming anthrax attack. Oh, that's highly appreciated. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, could you send a double dose for Miss Mickey as well? Well, I got a bunch of people in my family. Yeah, well, but whatever, yeah. we'll get it. In time. Um, yeah, I think you. I think you can uh, go ahead and just uh, apply at IMDb, and and you're good to go with uh, with one producer credit. I've seen I've seen people do it, and you. But you need seven to become a member of the Producers Guild of America. So I do need a little. That's the goal. Yeah. So anyway, here is your uh, cash karma coming your You've way. Got karma. Thank you very much, Sir Doctor Sharkey. And that's our uh, segment for producers for today's show, 504. We're coming. 505 is next. 505. Good number. Yeah. Uh, you can go to Dvorak.org slash NHNLDvorak.com slash NoAgendashow.com. Hit the donate button there. Or NoAgendaNation.com. There's also a donate button at that site. And uh, I want to thank Eric Voss for doing the artwork for episode 503. It was hard. We had to go back into the archives to find uh, an evergreen. No, literally nothing came in by the end of the show. And, it was weird. And we don't know if it was something wrong with the system or if everyone just gave up or I, I don't know. Uh, but it, it this is not happening. Put him to sleep. Yeah, it's also very possible. We do, uh, we do appreciate the work the artists do. It's, uh, you know, the, the, really we can't do much more than give you credit and, uh, and highlight you. And, uh, we often use the artwork in the, uh, in the, uh, in the newsletter. But know that it really, truly is important uh, what what artwork is associated with every single program. We appreciate it. Uh, for all of your uh, help, as John just said, Dvorak.org slash N-A. Do consider us for this coming Thursday. And until then, I want you to go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Well, it's uh, it's a Sunday, and uh, it's always fun to... Uh, How's the weather? Weather here is... You know, you never said hi to me today. I find that very annoying. In the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Oh, okay. Um, well, now I can't continue until you kind of reciprocate. Oh, in the morning, Adam, and yeah. in the morning, all ships and sea boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and knights and dames out there. And in the morning to the chat room. Hi there, chat room. The chat room saying, the difference between Alex Jones' show and No Agenda is uh, Alex Jones shouts at his audience, we laugh and ridicule at them. So that's uh, <laughs> pretty much it, I guess. Uh, but who, but we, there's no one I like ridiculing more Seeds. than <laughs> storable food. <laughs> I always like to ridicule Diane Sawyer when she's drunk. That's my favorite well, that part means of that we always have a segment for every show. And here it comes. It kicks off right at the beginning. Good evening. America is the, nan the land, the nation of plenty, the richest. <laughs> what? <laughs> can't even start this show I'm, without watching it. So it's supposed to be America is the land, the man, the... Na the uh, it sounds like she's saying Nambla, which is the... Uh, Nambla. <laughs> the Nambla. The Nambla. The Nambla. The nation. But... but 
It's not even, the, the word land is not even in there. It's nation for some reason that's on her prom. Good evening, America is the, nan, the land, the nation of plenty, the richest country in the history of the world. But we have real numbers tonight on the Ooh. staggering increase in people barely getting by. <laughs> yes! She didn't get there, just getting by. Well, she said barely. It's close enough. Close enough. This, of course, uh, relates to the uh, budget that President Obama uh, has uh, ha- now I have you looked at this thing? It's a uh, budget.gov. Don't even, don't even, don't no, even yeah, try. I'm familiar with it. It's just a joke. Oh, but I mean, it's it's impossible to get through. I mean, it's just, I mean, and I'm pretty good at this stuff <clears throat> because they they've also they've split it up into 15 different PDFs. You know, it's not like one document. Like real tricky stuff. They're like, yeah, eh, Curry will hate this. We'll never, he'll never go through it this way. Um, so the only thing I know, I think this is why um, why ABC, of course, is promoting everyone just getting by, oh, which of course is the true American dream, uh, is because of uh, you know the, the president's budget. What's interesting though is, from what I understand, uh, in this budget is the change of Social Security living standard to the CPI, uh, and that's worth noting for two reasons. One, um, it means that. Uh, and we've talked about this before. It means that if you currently are eating grilled cheese sandwiches, uh, which cost $2, but you can get by on mac and cheese, which is $1, then you're basically going to get $1 instead of $2. Is that simplify- Is that simplifying it too much, or does that kind of explain what the CPI is, John? Well, the consumer price index, which, by the way, they calculate differently, constantly, uh, for that exact reason that you're describing. Right. Um it's a it's a it's a it's a formula. I mean, I well, they have, well, the, the you're, formula. Is, you're explaining it at all. Well, they have well, they have the replacement thing in there. That that's that's the that's what's nefarious in this case is if you're eating steak, if steak goes up, you can eat spam. That's essentially kind of what the thinking is. Is like we're not going to raise you your money because instead of eating uh, steak, you can have tuna a la king. You can have cat food. This is what Bernie Saunders was talking about two years ago already. Yeah, well, let let me just refer people to shadowstats.com. There you go. Uh, If you go there right now, you'll find that the front of the the page shows you the difference between the government bullcrap official CPI and the alternative uh, 1990-based CPI. And you can see that the difference is about two percentage points or more. Uh, and also there's an experimental CPI that's on there, which I don't know what that is. But if you go back, they have one chart that shows it from 1980 to the present. And it was it was lockstep uh, for a number of years. And it started to discre- it's really split, massively split during the Clinton administration. Apparently, he is the the worst offender. He had the right. thing at least 5% above or below what it really was. So, right. uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, they're they're they're. they're they're screwing with us. So here is, uh, and this was just kind of cool, that um, it's always fun to dive back in the archives because I knew I had it somewhere. This is uh, a president, uh, a candidate, uh, Obama, then senator, uh, promising that he would never do exactly this. Don McCain's campaign has gone even further, suggesting that the best answer for the growing pressures on Social Security might be to, cost, uh, might be to cut cost of living adjustments or raise the retirement age. Now, let me be clear, I will not do either. 
I think he's done both, hasn't he? <laughs> Haven't we actually done exactly the retirement that? Retirement age is, is now ratcheted. So yeah, it's, it that's was, one. Uh, used to be sixty-five. Yeah. Then, then it became sixty-six. 60. It's going to sixty-seven, yeah. and then a sixty-eight, sixty-nine, just around the corner. Yeah. Seventy is going to where it's going to end up. But this, but this is um, we're turning the corner in the United States in so many ways. Um, now, well, well, of course, the war on crazy, which we're going to have to talk about again, which is you covered as the war uh, against guns or ammo or whatever, uh, but it is the war against crazy. And um, and you know, this uh, Melissa Harris Perry, the woman who um, who said, you know, your kids belong to the community or the state, the government, the government. <laughs> she didn't say that verbatim. She, she basically said the kids belong to the government. Yeah, the government's got to take care of them. Uh, so here, and these are part I mean, of. We could be. We could. Wait, we can do this. We can turn the country into Sparta. You know, where the kids, you know, after they're 10 years old, they were sent to a military boot camp, yeah. and it, which is wouldn't be a bad idea. And then you just keep, you know, you get to raise the kids for 10 years, and then you never see them again. I'm sure a lot of the women in the Obama administration would appreciate that. <laughs> so here is MSNBC. That was a promo, um, an MSNBC promo. And, and so she has another one that uh, that is doing the rounds. Americans will always want some level of inequality because it's a representation of meritocracy. People who work hard and sacrifice and save their money and make major contributions. We think that they should earn a little more. They should they should have. It, this is so amazing to me. We think they should earn a little more. Just a just, just a little more. More resources, and that's fine. But we also, how, however, have to have a floor under which nobody falls. And if you're below that, especially if you're a child and you're below that, we are not going to accept that. You do have the right to health care and to education and to decent housing and to quality food at all times. Okay. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, especially all the slumlords that happen to be in the Obama administration. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Valerie Jarrett. She is the slumlord of all slumlords. So, of course, um, uh, we get uh, the uh, everything thrown in our face today with it being tax day in uh, these United States of Gitmo Nation, uh, meaning you have to file uh, your uh, your tax return uh, tomorrow, the 15th. And uh, so, of course, uh, the word uh, comes out that the president has done his taxes. Uh, and, uh, wow, he made less than last year. Uh, he's down, down... Uh, how can that be? Yeah, he's down. He's down. I guess he didn't sell as many. Made less in what way? He gets a standard salary as president. How can he make less? Would they cut his benefits? Well, no, 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 no. Here it is. Uh, he made six hundred eight thousand six hundred eleven dollars in two thousand twelve, down more than twenty percent from the year before. You know, so this is his Do books. They deduct those vacations he takes with his wife in dual seven forty seven. The decline in his the entire amount right I'll there. Be quiet. The decline in his pay comes as sales of Mr. Obama's books slow down. Oh, right, his books. His books. Now, but here's the here's the kicker. You know, you know they got they got to throw it in your face. Uh, he and his wife Michelle paid an effective tax rate of eighteen point four percent and donated one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to thirty three different charities. Okay. So you know that's where it is. Thirty three different thirty three once again. Yeah, once again. So there was a party in uh, a birthday party uh Friday night. A good friend of ours. And uh wow man, I I think we can break it down to three kinds of people in this country. Uh, the people who are completely oblivious and asleep, who actually I, I like a lot, because they're just like, hey, <laughs> 
I know they're so <laughs> they're kind of nice, you know, like hey, man, man it's all yeah, good. You know, care. they don't they watch TV, they don't read newspapers, they don't care, no, no, no. and they don't know anything. They and, don't care, but they're interesting. They, you know, they're creative. You know, hey, I, I, let me play a song for you. That's great. Then you have the wide awake, very few and far between. Um, and you know, so I think I met and two. some many are too wide awake, but for my taste, yeah. that's good. And then you have this big zombified programmed mass. And and I I actually got into a verbal uh, spat. Do this. What? How do you do this? How do you get into these arguments with people? Okay, so I was introduced to uh, this uh, woman, and she Uh-oh. and it was like she Trump lives she already. lives half half time in Austin, half time in California, oh. Silicon Valley. Uh huh. And everyone was and because you know people know kind of what I do, and they're like. Oh, you two should meet. You two should talk. Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> like, if anyone says that to me, it's like I don't think so. And uh, and so, but it, and and, I, and really, I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to be really calm. She's like, I am the yellowest liberal in the universe. That's how that's how she introduced herself. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think she meant and she's a coward. Obama bot. I don't know. I'm like, oh, okay. And then uh, you know, very somehow, very quickly. Uh, <laughs> Mickey's like, yo, we love Austin, and we love everyone so polite because they got guns. And this woman's head like swivels on her shoulders. <laughs> you don't have automatic guns, do you? Said, yeah. Well, she did. So this is the old. They don't know the difference between an automatic and semi-automatic gun, right? And I said, no, semi-automatic. Yeah, no, I meant semi-automatic. I said, yeah, but you know what? What Mickey has? That's a revolver, right? No, it's a semi-automatic. So she doesn't quite understand that, you know, uh, a hand... You know what an, an automa- pistols no. are called automatics as opposed to revolvers. But that doesn't, yeah. mean, they're au- that no. doesn't mean they're machine guns. Right. It just means you cock them once and they just cock themselves they're automatically. So they're automatics. So, so, so they, don't know the, they, they don't know the terminology of the weaponry. Correct. Well, neither does our president. That's true. He said it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, but it was so... And, and I'm like, okay, I got to jump in and save her here because, you know, I'm like, Wow. Uh, okay, yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so by the way, I have an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine. <laughs> I'm like, you said that's that? Like, yeah, that's me. I'm like jumping on the grenade so Mickey can go away. You know, she, and I swear to God, she like backed away. And this is taking place in the kitchen. And then she's like, what? I said, yeah, that's right. It's a semi-automatic Colt M4 carbine, and I have multiple 30-round magazines. She's like, wow. You think that's normal? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not abnormal. And then she said, well, what do you think that uh, that it's normal that uh, the Aryan race nation is going around killing cops in Texas? I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? Brother. It's like, and this this is wow. Which, by the way, today in the news has been, uh, you know, the law enforcement is saying looks like they were wrong about that. So. Ah. Yeah, so she, you know, she, she can be, so I can see already, like, oh man, she's completely programmed. So I'm like, oh, you know, listen, this is really only just a war on crazy, um, you know. And so I'm trying to back away. I'm trying to back out of this, like, you know, and jump uh, right in with both feet right into the. But shit I, I had to do that for Mickey. Oh right, I, it was to protect my save wife. The lady. Save the lady. <laughs> save the lady. And uh, and then she's like. Well, you know, uh, I I like you a lot. Oh, thanks. Would she like you at all? I don't know. Well, no, she she because I'm cute, probably. Yeah, probably. And uh, and you know, so then she's like, um, I remember, and I said, well, gee, wow, you know, I think that you're, 
your your democratic uh, representatives uh, have really misled you you condescending prick she said that yeah why do you what? even presume i'm a democrat i said i didn't say you were i said you're democrat representatives your republican representatives mislead you a lot too but in this case this is your democrat representatives and she called you a she really yelled condescending at you. prick holy crap what a weirdo so i shot By her the way- just, just to get to get back to the story before yeah. we do. Yeah, there is a yellow liberal. That's yeah. Okay, Yellow's, what is it? Yellow. There's a bunch of different colors. The liberals, which by the way are all Democrats. She's a Democrat. She's a yellow liberal. Yellow liberal is a commonly most uh, commonly most associated with liberalism in Europe, being the official color of the alliance, the alliance of liberals and Democrats for Europe. It's a group. Yellow is also associated with libertarianism, though. No, she, she was, sound she like was no libertarian. No, she was no but libertarian. There's purple, there's red, there's white, there's pink, social democrats, orange, a Christian democrats, green, I'll call it the greens or the greens, mm-hmm. gray, brown, blue. There's a bunch of these colors. You have to look it up under political color. Well, it, 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 was, it was pretty harsh. I mean, it was... But I could I could take it from her because it seemed like this was kind of her shtick. You know? Oh yeah, I know these. Types. You, you You're know, all over Berkeley. Well, in fact, she could have been straight out of Berkeley. Uh, she was a large woman. Um, kept talking about how she you know loves women, so you know, so she's lesbian. That's okay, and none of this matters to me. So but, she's a lesbian looking for trouble. That's a show title. Write it down. Lesbians. <laughs> Lesbians. That's for our other business, for our, for our porn business. Write that down. And um, but it was it was just kind of bizarre how she was yelling at me. Um, and but but I took it as shtick, and so I started yelling back. And someone you know, bipolar. Well, so it, so it, I said this is really just about being you know about being insane. And you know right now. It's about you can't have a gun because, you know, you're bipolar, but soon it'll be, you know, you can't drive a car. You know, my shtick, right? You know, oh, you can't be around children. I thought she was going to, to like, projectile vomit at me. And she could, she just could not grasp. Why would anybody, what sick soul in that party thought you should meet this woman? The host. That's the person I could track down. No, it's my friend. He knows. He, he, Some he, friend. He thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You John, this one. John, this, real... this is something you could have done. Are you kidding me? You love doing. You love setting Why up this would stuff. Would you go to a party where this person even showed up? Although I've spent- nah, it, it looked. It, it was. I actually enjoyed it. But a number of people did come up to me later and say, "Are you okay?" <laughs> like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not a pussy. This is fine. But you know, it, it was just. I, it was. It was. It doesn't happen very often that I meet someone like this, and I'm going. I'm going to talk to her again. I can't wait. I mean, I should record it. It's a. It's a. We could. We could actually do a podcast. You have an Android phone. Yeah. Well, there's uh, a device. There's a little. Yeah, program. I, know, I know. Yeah, you can. I, but I don't have to hide it. I'm just saying, I'm record you for for crazy. <laughs> for crazy, you will be reported <laughs> as so, such. So here's the authorities. Well, and I went through the whole thing. I said, and you know, she said, well, you know, I. I've uh, I I've, I have to take an antidepressant. I said, well, then you know, you're not allowed to have guns legally no, the, the, in the state of Texas. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, you don't say. But then you know, I so I'm following the news. Oh, sorry, I'm following the telescreen uh, for the past couple of days, just looking at what's going on. 
And uh, 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 some amazing things have happened in this war on crazy, which is being hidden as a war on uh, a war on guns or ammo or background checks or whatever it is. And I just like to run around the dial and uh, just play a few things. First of all, uh, pure proof from uh, Spokeshole Carney that this is just a little stepping stone. Well, as you saw in the president's statement uh, yesterday, and as you've seen all week from the president and the rest of us, uh, we have been encouraged by bipartisan progress on this very important uh, package of proposals. There is still work to be done. Uh, this was simply, while very important, uh, a first stage in an effort to get sensible, common sense uh, legislation that would reduce Common gun sense. violence in America while protecting <laughs> Americans' Second Amendment rights. So it's uh, it common sense, sensible gun sense. First step, though, just a first step. So it's all about, and, and remember this, because there's a couple new memes that we have to track. So common sense, gun sense is a new one. Um, uh, buying guns on the Internet. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who was very famous, uh, is he a televangelist, or Rick Warren, or is he? Uh... Oh, he's really famous. Yeah. No, he's not like no, he's not like a. Te he's a he's a mega church mogul. Right. Yeah, mega church mogul. So his uh, son apparently committed suicide um, earlier this week, and of course, Pastor Rick Warren made some startling re revelations about the suicide of his son Matthew on Thursday. Warren tweeted, "Quote." Someone on the internet sold Matthew an unregistered gun. I pray he seeks God's forgiveness. I forgive him. Oh, Matthew Warren shot uh. himself to death last Friday. Law enforcement officials haven't confirmed the pastor's claim, but did say the gun's serial number had been removed. All right. So. And how is all this legislation going to prevent this? Oh, nothing, John. Oh, please. Well, we're going to have to have... It's going to be illegal to sell guns on the internet. That's how this legislation is going to prevent this. Now... The best thing, though. Oh, John, would you? Of course, it's not going to prevent it. But for my friend from the Berkeley area, or wherever she's from, part time, we'll make it Berkeley. Yeah, well, she's now officially. She wasn't a Hummer, but she could have been. Uh, we'll make it Berkeley. Um, this is what these people see and believe. And then, of course, this was my favorite. This is, yeah. this is what Al-Qaeda. Yeah. This is uh, Morning Joe. And my favorite part of Morning Joe is listening to. Uh, What's her name? Mika, Micah, Malika? Yeah, uh, I don't know. The Brzezinski I never kid? I watch Morning Joe. Oh, listening to her going, yeah, oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's the best part. So this is about the Al-Qaeda video of Adam Gadan, famous Al-Qaeda operative, uh, saying it's so easy to buy guns in America. This is, yeah. this is what Al-Qaeda Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you something, say, and we'll let you talk. You know your background check yeah, system is weak, even when Al-Qaeda makes a video pointing out how easily attainable guns are in the U.S., <laughs> <laughs> you know your background system is weak. Your background check system is weak when even Al-Qaeda... I mean, Al-Qaeda is not even saying that. The website BuzzFeed pointed out this 2011 video by American-born Al-Qaeda <coughs> spokesman, Adam... American-born Al-Qaeda spokesman. He's a spokesman? Oh, it gets better. Since when? Listen to CNN. CNN had an even better term for him. Hold on, here it is. You know who's watching this whole gun debate play out in America? Al-Qaeda. 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 Al I, I gotta say it twice. Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. You know who's watching this whole gun debate play out in America? Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Already thinks America's gun control system is weak, and American Al-Qaeda spokesman... American Al-Qaeda spokesman. This is fantastic. America's gun control system is weak, and American Al-Qaeda spokesman says it is so easy to get guns in America that wannabe terrorists should 
take advantage of it. That's right. That's because oh, they can't get guns in <laughs> Afghanistan. They can't get guns in Pakistan. They can't get guns in Iraq. All right. So, of course, if you're if you're from Berkeley and you're a lesbian looking for trouble, what's your favorite show on? What's your favorite talk show on television going to be? What's your oh, favorite? Wait. Come on. It would obviously be Rachel Maddow. No, that's news. I'm talking about or so so called news talk oh, show. Oh, it would have to be uh, Bill Maher. I'm so sorry, but this is the problem with the gun debate: is that it's a constant center right debate. There's no left in this debate. Everyone on the left is so afraid to say what should be said, which is the Second Amendment is bullshit. Why doesn't <laughs> anyone go at the core of it? <laughs> Clip of the day. Clip of the day. Really? Oh, that's so kind of you. I don't know if I deserve it, but screw it. No, I'll take it. <laughs> Clip of the day. The Second Amendment is bullshit. I'll say it. I'm Bill Maher. I can say and it. And I invented the iPod. Screw Johnny Ives. Johnny Ives, you ain't got shit on me. Uh, then we have uh, our Vice President, Joe O. Biden. That is his, his middle name is O. What is it? Orville? Orenbacher? What is his middle name? I don't know. Well, come Let me on. look it up in the book of knowledge. Hold on. Yeah, I think you should consult it. The book of knowledge. Joe O. Biden. The reason why I always see that is because when I look him up on C-SPAN video archives, I Joseph do- Robinette Biden. Robinette. Yes, but no it's O. o. It's Joseph no. O. Biden. No, no. Yes, it is. No, no. it's Robinette. No. Listen, Joseph I'm R. An, I, Biden. Okay, I'm going to cspanvideo.org. I fill in Biden in the search, okay, and what comes back is we've been saying Joe O Biden for so long. You've been having <laughs> dreams about it. I'm sick. I'm fucking sick. <laughs> Video dreams. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Must be Orville. Well, well, here's Orville Biden on the morning Joe show, and um, and it, 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 this to me. But hold on a second. By the way, what kind of name would you name your kid Robinette? Is he going to be? Is that kind of <laughs> sounds like the Shirelles? <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe from the Shirelles. <laughs> I don't know, man. And that's a that's not a big thing in Pennsylvania to call your kid Robinette. I guarantee you that. Sure. <laughs> All right. Here he is. He makes just the most insane comparison to assault rifles which of course we all agree it's crazy you don't need those for hunting do you i mean that's this is just these things are just for one thing and one thing only for killing Francis blows it in half i looked at him i said dad why'd you do this I said i want you to understand the power of this weapon I want you to understand the power. Everybody who owns guns, the guys you represent, they take great pride in the fact that they, in fact, but what's happened here is, look, it used to be we were dealing almost... Well, yeah, no, he, he can't speak. Exclusively, Joe, with hunters. Hunters. When I did this the first time in 94, it was the one group I had to go speak to and make sure they were satisfied with what we were doing were hunters. There's a whole... As, I'm a gatherer, Joe. I don't know what you're talking about. A new sort of group of individuals now who, I don't know what the numbers are, that never hunt at all. But they own guns for one of two reasons, self-protection or they just like the feel of that AR-15 at the range. They like the way it feels. They, they, they just, you know, it, it's like driving a Ferrari. You know, I mean, it's like it, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it's like driving a Ferrari, wow. John. It's like driving a Ferrari. 
It's like, he really likes to shoot, this guy does. There's like no one, no, I mean, how can you even... Get a shotgun, I mean, yeah. you, you really can't have it all. You can't say <clears throat> the people who have AR-15s are rednecks living in the hill countries of Texas ready to shoot any black person who comes by and then say that we like them because they're like Ferraris. You can't have all this. I'm sorry. You just can't have all this. But this is all part of the telescreen programming, which, of course, had to include our favorite singing and dancing television show. Too soon after the Sandy Hook shooting, Glee's latest episode, which aired last night, centered around a shooting inside the high school. Hi. Let's get started. Everyone just spread out and hide. Spread out and hide. Find a place to hide. Please, let's go over there. The images of students crying, running, and scrambling for cover were too much for some residents of Newtown. Here's Andrew Paley, the father of two boys who survived the December shooting. We're in a healing process here in Newtown, and it's too soon for those of us so close to what happened on 12-14 that it would have reopened wounds that we're trying to heal. Do you hear the meme? The new meme? 12-14? 12-14. That is the new meme. So they're really, really pushing this. And this comes back <clears throat> again. <clears throat> very interesting. I got a message from the president today on my uh, uh, textually written communication platform, also known as email. It's funny because he starts his email off with, hello, everybody. Literally, dash, dash. Hello, everybody. Each week, like many, many presidents before me, I sit down to record a short address to the nation. It's something I take very seriously because it offers a chance to bring focus to an issue that needs to be part of the national dialogue. But today, I've asked someone to take my place. Francine Wheeler is a mother. She and her family live in Newtown, Connecticut. Four months ago, her six-month-old son, Ben, was murdered in his elementary school along with 19 other children and six brave educators. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So he uh, gave up his presidential address, his YouTube show, uh, to uh, Francine Wheeler and her husband David. Now, this is unprecedented, I think. I, I do not know of a time when any president has given up his or her, <laughs> her presidency, given up his... Um, address. Do you know of any time when that might have happened? I've never heard of such a thing. I also and, think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a good thing. Actually, I. I think it's. This is. But have guest guest stars. Yeah, I. I think it's. It's not okay. It'd be better if he introduced her. But that. But it was. I found this to be the most shameless thing, probably the Obama administration has ever done it in its entire six years Thank or you. five six years. Did you see it? Oh yeah. Now now did you catch? Everything in here? I there's a bunch of stuff in there that's interesting. But I, I I clipped a small piece. Uh, no, you have. We have to play the whole thing. Oh, you want uh, to play the? Oh, the whole really? Thing. Okay. Well, let me but, pref let me preface by by telling you who Francine and David are. Do you know who they are? Yeah, I did that research. <clears throat> what did you come up with? Well, Dave is an actor. They're both actors. Yeah. Uh, she and, al she also worked as the personal assistant. Way, Listen. She also worked as the personal assistant to Maureen White, financial chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee. Oh, you got me on that one. So when they got now, married, and let me just read it to you. When they got married 
In uh, 2001, October 2001, Francine Lobus, daughter of Antoinette and Carmen Lobus, Bonita Springs, Florida, is to be married today with David Wheel, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Miss Lobus, 34, works in New York as the personal assistant to Maureen White, the finance chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee. The bride is also a music and movement teacher for infants and toddlers. Uh, she graduated from Allentown College of St. Francis, is a SAG and uh, an equity member. Mr. Wheeler, actor and musician based in New York. So they're both actors. Right. And, and, and But they are SAG card-carrying members. There was, there's something that I wanted to, I was interrupting you about is that this information is discrepant. If you look up enough of them, enough backgrounds on them, you can't really tell when they moved into town. It's like eight no. years ago. It's no. a year ago. It's four years ago. It's very disturbing to try to pin down a lot of this. We play- you, you actually got quite a bit. Uh, well, I was blown away by the first that they're both actors. And, you know, all I mean, she's reading a script. She's reading the teleprompter with a lot of weird stuff in it. That is just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And here's what got me. She kind of. Break, you know, she breaks down a couple of times and they cut away and she's normal again. So she's she sounds like a psycho. If you just if you just listen to the audio. She yeah. sounds like she's completely insane because she's in one. She, her mood changes too much because of the lousy cutting. Whoever edited this did a pretty crappy job. Well, her eyes stay I, dry. I have what? Her eyes stay dry. That's what that, exactly. That's what got me. I, I don't. She's not a very good actress. A good actress, by the way, can you can tell them to cry and they will just drop a tear right on the spot. Right. Uh, she couldn't even she if she she lost her son and she I've never seen this because I've seen people interview. John, this has been going on with Sandy Hook with every single person you see on TV. You've not seen a single actual tear. Show it to me. Show me one piece of video. And it's horrible to, to think that that this could be this big of a scam. Um, but you need to show me one of these people on the 60 Minutes piece, you know, the, the anybody, even the teacher, Miss Soto, what's her name, the one who keeps doing I interviews? I have seen people with a dead dog on local <laughs> television break into tears. Yeah, not, not Sandy Hook. And this woman goes right into this crying, fake crying, and she never drops a tear. It was just like... Is she are they that cold blooded, or maybe it's just a, they, they took some special class, or they're told not to cry, or when they cry, they did a second take? But that would then their eyes would be no, all you'd red. You'd see it. You'd see it. And this is the stuff that when people hear this and hear us discussing this, they they go insane. They they threaten to come and burn my house down because who am I, insensitive a hole, to be talking like this? Remember Robbie Parker. The guy who's laughing and yucking it up before he then, oh, then he goes into this whole sad thing. This has been constant with this. Constant. And it's all the same memes. Killed at the end of a gun. Riddled. Uh, 20 young angels and six educators. It, why can't we say teachers anymore? Educators. It's so scripted. It's so scripted. It is freaky. And we decided to stop talking yeah. about it, and it still keeps coming I can't up. They help keep myself. throwing it in our face. This was the most shameless thing I've ever seen this president do. It is, and especially that I mean, it was really bad. Hi. We have to play the whole thing. As you've probably noticed, I'm not the president. I'm just a citizen, and as a citizen, I'm here at the White House today because I want to make a difference, and I hope you will join me. Here we go. My name is Francine Wheeler. My husband David is with me. He looks like um, Dan Aykroyd. 
a little bit. He also looks he looks like somebody else too. That guy, he's another actor. Actually, looks really like, and I can't think of his name, but he looks just like him. All right. We live in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. David and I have two sons. Our older son Nate, soon to be ten years old, is a fourth grader at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Our younger son Ben, age six, was murdered in his first grade classroom on December fourteenth. Exactly four months ago, this weekend, Edit. David and I lost our beloved son. So now it's close up, and uh, in, unless they redid makeup and took away puffy eyes, no tears. And Nate lost his best friend. On what turned out to be the last morning of his life, Ben told me quite out of the blue. See now. This is what bothered me. Let's let's just. Pres- I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. This is entirely true. Okay, everything happened this way, and there was no confusion with the medical examiner about you know long gun, short gun, rifle, whatever. And then there's no weird stuff. Nothing. And we saw pictures, and we've seen, and we've had all of this. Let's just say all of that happened. Even then, this script and her delivery. I mean, if if it was a mother really just speaking and saying, "Holy crap," you know, we got to change. But she's reading the script. Yeah, and, and using the, the sub-clauses like out of the blue. Out of the blue. And I mean, with this <sighs> this bullshit story because a six-year-old does not well, come here up comes. to his mother out of the blue. I, I'm going to go this far up with it, but I don't care. A six-year-old doesn't come up to his mother out of the blue the day of the shooting and say, Mom, I want to be a paleontologist. <laughs> I still want to be an architect, Mama. But I also want to be a paleontologist. I, mean, I, I had to look up the word. Six years old, wants to be an architect and a paleontologist, but meanwhile, he's a piano player. Because that's what Nate is going to be, and I want to do everything Nate does. Ben's love of fun and his excitement at the wonders of life were unmatched. His boundless energy kept him running across the soccer field long after the game was over. (laughs) What's he doing? (laughs) Just running around? (laughs) And he couldn't wait to get to school every morning. He sang with perfect pitch mm-hmm. and had just played at his third piano recital. Irrepressibly bright and spirited, Ben experienced life at full tilt. Full tilt. Until that morning, 20 of our children and six of our educators <laughs> gone. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. I've heard people say that the tidal wave of anguish our country felt on 1214 has receded. There it is. But not for us. You hear 1214? To us, Mm -hmm. it feels as if it happened just yesterday. And in the four months since we lost our loved ones, thousands of other Americans have died at the end of a gun. There it is, end of a gun. Thousands of other families across the United States are also drowning in our grief. Please help us do something before our tragedy becomes your tragedy. Sometimes. You know, I, it's I funny. I ju- uh, just looking at that again. Wow, that was kind of weird. That almost felt like she is sitting there pleading as a double agent saying, oh, please, they're forcing me to do this. Whatever is going on, please help stop this insanity because these people here are insane. Oh, play it back again. I'll, Listen, I'll take, I'll take it from there. But not for us. To us, it feels as if it happened just yesterday. Listen. And in the four months since we lost our loved ones, 
thousands of other Americans have died at the end of a gun. Thousands of other families across the United States are also drowning in our grief. Please help us do something before our tragedy becomes your tragedy. Do you, am I just seeing things? Yeah, I think you're, you're reading into it, but I, I like it. I mean, I think it's, 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 it's Possible. legitimate. Possible. Sometimes I close my eyes and all I can remember is that awful day waiting at the Sandy Hook Volunteer Firehouse for the boy who would never come home. That is a movie title. It's either a movie of the week or it's going to be a book or the boy that would never come home. Write it down. R- write this write down. Write it down as we yeah. speak. Okay. The same firehouse that was home to Ben's Tiger Scout Den 6. But other times, I feel Ben's presence filling me with courage for what I have to do for him and all the others taken from us so violently and too soon. We have to convince the Senate to come together and pass common-sense gun responsibility reforms that will make our communities safer. Also, that was something new in there. Common-sense gun responsibility reforms? This is something new. All the others taken from us so violently and too soon. We have to convince the Senate to come together and pass common-sense gun responsibility reforms. Wow. This is new. Gun responsibility reforms? Yeah. Not sure what that means, but you know, seeing as she didn't write it, it means something. That will make our communities safer and prevent more tragedies like the one we never thought would happen to us. When I packed for Washington on Monday, it looked like the Senate might not act at all. Then, after the president spoke in Hartford and a dozen of us met with senators to share our stories. More than two-thirds of the Senate voted to move forward. But that's only the start. That's also uh, Obama rhetoric, move forward. ...bills that will help keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people. And a lot of people are fighting to make sure they never do. Now is the time to act. Please join us. Now is the time to act is the name of their campaign. If you look at whitehouse.gov. You also missed the ring at dangerous people. Oh, I missed that, yeah. You can talk to your senator, too. Or visit whitehouse.gov to find out how you can help join the president and get involved. Help this be the moment when real change begins. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. And I, I find it fascinating that her husband is just sitting there the whole time he, doesn't, he often looks over at her yeah but he, no line nothing he's just sitting there I mean so it was I found this to be extremely creepy whether it's true or not and of course you know, I, no, could, I thought it was shameless I thought it was I thought it was getting this is the worst thing I've ever seen anyone do especially for a president to pull a stunt like this no, there was no tears. The thing was totally written by somebody else. There's no way she would talk like this. No. Uh, whether anything happened or not. But I think you, but the, her lack of tears makes you wonder. And, you know, the, and the, the, all, every detail was just unnerving. And here is Eleanor Clift of the uh, McLaughlin group. You know, she's always got the script because, you know, she's, she's from Berkeley. 
She should be. <laughs> she should be. Uh, the Newtown families and Gabby Giffords are in the gun debate to stay, and over time, their voices will be more powerful than the NRA. The culture, the culture of guns, is beginning to go through a transformation in this country. I also got a lot of uh, a lot of hate. It's a particularly strongly worded hate email about my take on Gabrielle Giffords. And I, and, I, and I wrote down a note to myself that I need to revisit that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of discrepancies with what, with what happened there. Uh, and a lot of actual actors on the scene. You know, we went through all of that. Remember that? Oh, yeah. We should rerun that show. Yeah, make a note that we do that on our, on our next best of because it was it was very long and detailed, and there was a lot of a lot of information, and there was a lot of weird nine one one calls, and uh, I think our our ultimate um, conclusion was that that would that they there was a federal judge who needed to get killed for whatever reason, uh, but that a lot of this uh, seemed extremely weird, and you know when people send me pictures like just look at her. Like, you know, I've been in media for 30 years in mainstream media. I've done the photoshops. I've done the video imaging. It's, it's so much of it. It seems harmless when you're doing it. It seems harmless when you fake this or fake that or pretend or and basically, you know, hey, look, that's newsflash. The weatherman is not standing in front of a giant moving screen. Okay. Newsflash. <laughs> It's green. They superimpose it. He's looking at a monitor off the off to the side of the set. So you know, the, all of television is trickery. And all pick up a magazine, pick up pick up um, uh, Vogue magazine. Michelle Obama, the first lady, is on the cover. It's photoshopped. Okay, it is photoshopped. All, everything's photoshopped. It's all photoshopped. So you know, this is all fantasy. So I'm I'm not beyond. Look at the the Gulf War where we've got. Uh, What's the douchebag's name there in the Baghdad Hilton, and then they're, they're laughing it up and pretending, and then they go stand in front of a few shrubs down in the basement in the blue screen? And it's been going... That was before green screen. It's been going on for a long, long time. A long time. So in this war on crazy, um, there are a couple of um, a couple of interesting articles that came out. Uh, this just came out from... Uh, uh, what was this? This is Slate. Uh, of course, the DSM-5 is coming out soon, and Slate did the, the numbers, and according <laughs> according to uh, the DSM-4, the one we're in right now, already... Explain what DSM is okay, to people. Don't DSM is, the, uh, is basically the Bible for uh, psychiatry, the diagnosable uh, mental illness. Uh, it's actually, what does it stand for? Uh... DSM is, uh, I should know this. Uh, hold on. Now, now you ask me. DSM. Uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's what it is. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And this is pretty much a license for uh, doctors and psychiatrists and the pharmaceutical industry to prescribe you drugs. Most of these drugs are amphetamines. You know, there's some uppers, there's some downers, there's some bennies, some poppers, but it's all basically drugs. It's not really helping you much. Um, and according to the research that's done here, with DSM-4, it comes out every year. Currently, or not every year, but it seems like every year. Currently, we have DSM-4, and some, I thought it was coming out now, DSM-5, which is the new Bible. 50% of Americans, actually 46.4%, according to the Slate article, have a diagnosable diagnosable mental illness 
in their lifetime, according to DSM-4. And what 5 is doing is it's not creating more mental illnesses um, because I think they, they went from like, it's like 79 and they went to 150 and now it's you know, 280 different, uh, oh, here it is. DSM-4 is 297 diagnosable mental illnesses, right? Or mental defects, if you want to actually call it by the law, which is how the gun legislation is working. In 1980, it was 265. In 1952, it was 100. So they're not going to go to more than 297, but now they split it up. So you get autism, you get the spectrum. And then you have all these different pieces on the spectrum. So it's almost like a quintupling because they're breaking out all of these things like, oh, you got Asperger's? Well, you know, you've got all kinds of Asperger's. You've got Tourette's? Well, you've got the Adam Curry kind. You've got the guy yelling cunt on the plane kind. You know, you get all these different kinds. And everyone will fit into a category somewhere. Everyone. And this is exactly where where this is taking us is diagnosing you with something. And if you've ever had medication, then you're it. That's it. That's done. Then, then they can do whatever they want with dangerous people. Well, there's a lot of dangerous people. So apparently what's going on with the gun thing is that I didn't realize this until I was watching C-SPAN for hours on end during a, one of these things. And there's this guy, uh, what's his name, David Koppel and a bunch of other people up on the, on the, on the uh, podium talking about what's – this is done in Colorado – about – Colorado being the lead uh, experimental state. And at the time when they were doing this, and I was thinking, well, let me just play a couple of quickies here. Uh, play the meta strategy. Well, no, wait. This is a good one, too. Uh, gun assault. Uh, here, play the gun assault rifle BS and Bloomberg. I didn't know about this. The bills that passed in Colorado are not... Colorado-only bills. They are drafted by Michael Bloomberg's people. They are lobbied in Colorado by Michael Bloomberg's contract lobbyists. Is this the mayors against guns? Is that, uh, is that the lobby they're talking about? That could be. Whatever the case is, uh, Colorado seems to be the, uh, the test market for all this stuff and what they what apparently they did they got the Colorado uh, you know there's a lot of gun owners in Colorado cuz you need to shoot yeah. the coyotes <laughs> and so they've gotten guys to vote against their own and the hippies. uh people that they're they're representing certain group of people they're voting against them cuz apparently Bloomberg's come in and, and and I guess Biden called all these guys so you've got to vote for this you got to vote for this and and we'll don't worry about it you're going to get some flack but we're going to throw a bunch of money at you for the next election to get you back in there so don't worry about it cuz i know they're going to give you crap about what you know why did you vote this in and this guy discusses something and this guy this couple uh, guy was is a actually a government attorney who represents police departments mostly in front of all kinds of different uh, uh courts and he fi- found all kinds of weird stuff that was in this legislation which is uh pretty much designed to get all the guns off the street. And, and Bloomberg seems to be the main guy behind this. He even mentioned a Bloomberg anecdote where he wouldn't let the National Guard come into town in Brooklyn when there was looting going on after Hurricane Sandy because he, he didn't like the idea of guns at all. So there's more complexity to this, especially in Colorado, than meets the eye. But Benny, anyway, finish this clip. They are the national model for what President Obama and Mr. Bloomberg are going to try to push in Congress. So let me, and yet, 
if they were actually interested in saving lives, we know these none of these bills will work. And how do we know that? Because the United, Eric Holder's Department of Justice, the research arm of that is called the National Institute of Justice. And in early January, the National Institute of Justice did a report on various gun control proposals. That report was understandably kept secret from the American people, but it's been leaked and it's available. And here's what the National Institute of Justice said. And again, this is the research arm of the United States Department of Justice. That the ban first, the ban on so-called assault weapons, which many of you know are not, are only different in superficial characteristics, such as where the grip is on a gun and whether the gun has a black plastic stock that can be adjusted versus a, a, a solid wood stock, things like that. The National Institute of Justice said this does nothing. These guns are rarely used in crime. There's no point in doing this. And, of course, this confirms the study that was done uh, by researchers selected by Janet Reno, not one of the, the top pro-gun uh, cabinet officers in American history, to conduct a study on the 1994 to 2004 uh, Feinstein ban on so-called assault weapons and on magazines. And that report issued in, with preliminary reports uh, over the years and then a final report in 2004 said that that ban accomplished nothing. No lives were saved that they could see in any statistically discernible way. It didn't change how many shots were fired in confrontations or anything else. They could find, after 10 years, no benefits from the laws. Oh, yeah, before, before you continue that, uh, my, my Berkeley friend, she also brought up the violence in video games. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, you know, she said, I'm, a, I'm in psychology or something. I said, well, if you have a report that shows where that is actual correlation, I'd love to read that because everything I hear, it's, it just doesn't exist. There is no direct correlation. Interesting, though, that we're going after video games but not after the movie industry. That did shut her down a little bit. Yeah. You don't have to play any more of this. Let's, let me summarize. I like it. It's, it's, it's good. You know, Holder, of course, is the guy who famously said, we need to brainwash the people. You've, you've seen that clip, I'm sure, haven't you? I see, I think we've talked about it before. No, I think I think we may have talked about it, but I'm I was just looking through the uh through the clips. I don't think we've actually ever played it. It's a favorite oh, of Dig it up, dig it up. Yeah, okay. I got it. Here we go. Right here. I've got it. It's not that hard to find. Hold on. Here we go. Eric Holder. Uh I'm not sure how old this clip is. Don't tell me we're gonna get an ad, please. Don't give me an ad. We just have to be repetitive about this. It's not enough to simply have a, a catchy ad on a Monday and then only do it every Monday. We need to do this every day of the week and just really brainwash people into thinking about guns in a vastly different way. Brainwash. <laughs> brainwash. Well, I'd, I'd say they're on, they're on the right path. Oh, yeah. Twelve four. We, we've already identified half the memes that are in this speech given by Wheeler. Uh, but let me ask, let me ask you a question, John. Because this because here we are here we are at the point where our show separates itself from the guys who sell seeds and storable food and gold. Um, what is do you think that the uh, current administration actually believes the world will be a better place? If all guns in America were gone, if they could actually do, do well, maybe we should say, do you think they can really do that? And is their motive 
pure? Is it really to be able to save just that one child? Is that really what this is about? Or do you believe there is some uh, crazy thought behind it that... Uh, oh, well, there you go. Now, I, I think there is a crazy thought behind it, and I think this guy stumbles on it with the meta-strategy clip. And let me just say that... Uh, you have to really listen to this and start thinking deeply about, you know, the idea of the of the both these parties. They just want to run the place. They just assume be king. They just assume, you know, keep, keep reelecting Obama till hell freezes over. It's the same with the Republicans. They would just assume, you know, reelect Bush forever, apparently. And so, so the, both these guys are always playing these these great games. Listen to the meta strategy clip. I think this may be part of what you're trying to, to, to determine. That's the wrong approach. That's a political approach whose purpose is to divide suburban women from the Republican Party. That is the meta, meta strategy of what's going on here. And it's not about saving the lives of anyone, or especially not saving the lives of school children. Wow. Hold on a second. That's crazy. I had this clip that I didn't use. Oh, my goodness. This is already happening. Uh, hold on. Now I have to go into my system, but it'll be well worth it. Hold on a second. So explain that while I look up the uh, while I look up this clip. He believes that creating this, this, especially concentrating on the Sandy Hook thing and the crying mom giving the speech and all the rest of it, is targeting women specifically, and this apparently the show is too, targeting women specifically who are very sympathetic about this thing to separate them from the Republican Party and make them permanent Democrats because the Democrats are in working in their interest to save the children. And it's and it's if you look at the lot of women that are like this woman who freaked out at the party you went to, yeah. her head swung oh around like God. a mad well, woman. You're so this right. This is an example of what they're trying to create, a, a nation full of these women. Okay, I have the clip. This is uh, NBC, uh, what's his name, T uh, Chuck Todd, or yeah, Chuck Todd, and here's the, uh, here it is. Look at the political right. divide. According to our NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, 82% of Democrats support tougher gun laws, only 27% of Republicans. How are the Democrats going to bridge that gap? But I want to highlight another number that might convince some Republicans to do this. Look at the massive gender gap. It's as large of a gender gap as we've seen on any issue when it comes to stricter gun laws. 65% of women want stricter gun laws, 44% of men. So if you make the argument to Republicans, you had a problem with women voters in 2012. It's why you didn't win the presidency. If you want to continue to have problems with women voters, don't deal with this gun issue. If you want to start trying to win over suburban women, maybe you need to tackle it. Ooh, wow. Wow. So Nick, that could be the meta strategy. That is, uh, well, uh, and I want to thank uh, Dave Jones uh, for building me a fantastic system to run this show on. We call it Freedom Controller. Go to freedomcontroller.com. Because I literally just typed in women guns into my search box, and it brought up the article that I'd saved. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> the damn nice system. I got now. I got to do a screencast to show everyone how this thing works. It's outrageous. So, so they. So, so this good one. may be what you're looking for. Okay, let's keep our eye on that. Huh. Wow, wow. So you. So it, it makes so much sense. Of course, it, uh, of course, they don't give a crap. They, now, I, I think everyone who has is has any sense in their brain or has not been brainwashed by the telescreens knows 
There's no way you can take away all the guns. It's futile. We also, if you look at the real statistics, it's not so bad because crime has really gone down with the doubling of the amount of guns. So all of that is kind of good news. But if you really think about it from a very evil perspective, they, you know, we've, of course, we've got the the president is out on the road the whole time now for the for the midterm elections. He's, and, and this is it. This is the strategy. I think I think you're right. I think this what's this guy's name? Who's uh, who's, who's who? Dave? Capel, K O P E L. Dave Chappelle, really? I love his movies. He's a very funny guy. Yeah, very funny guy. Um, I think you've nailed it. They really don't give a crap about your children. They don't give a crap about your children. They don't give a crap about you. They just give a crap about winning and winning and winning. And um, so now. And taxing and taxing. And, well, okay. There's that. So Re- Republicans. Money. It doesn't matter who's in uh, who's in charge. No, the Republicans are worse. They're the ones yeah. who started the two wars. So let's let me wow. put a couple of. There's an example. The, the Colorado law, which we're going to assume this guy's right, is the test market for the whole thing. They're going to roll this out everywhere they can. Well, Connecticut already has it. Right, Connecticut and Colorado. And by the way, when I the more I listen to this thing that's going on, I'm thinking, well, Aurora, you had all these Columbine. Uh, they figured Colorado's got to be the ripest place for this. This is your number one market because you had – first you had Columbine as the setup. Then you had Aurora, yeah. which is very sketchy. Yeah. Uh, and now you got a whole population that, of a state that you so – let's see how far we can push them. And so these laws are so onerous that, he, that this guy's now going to describe some of the stupidities – uh, in the temporary transfer aspect, for example, in Colorado, if I have a gun and and uh, you come over and you say, hey, you got some guns, you say, yeah, you want to, you got to see this new gun I bought, and I hand it to you. That's a transfer. That's a that's a t- temporary transfer that requires a, <laughs> a background, background check. check. <laughs> and worse, when you give it back to me, that's another transfer. Both twenty dollars each, and both up to uh, in Colorado, up a, a three to nine day wait. Now, what happens if I say you're gonna get got in good porn mags? Gonna skin flicks, boy? Uh, no problem. No. Hey, <laughs> play this this guy discussing something. Here's the bill that passed the Colorado legislature <laughs> under the bill written by Michael Bloomberg. That's a crime. Every time I do that, when I take one of my guns and hand it to a student without having put that student through a background check. That's a crime punishable by 18, up to 18 months in jail in Colorado. And then when the student wants to hand it back to me, we have to, trans- we have to do another background check on me to get it back. And both ways on that transaction, it costs $20. And that applies to every single transaction, temporary transfer of a firearm during a safety class. I'm feeling there's a market here for an iPhone app. I mean, <laughs> this is fantastic. Well, John, um, thank you very much. You have educated me. I know you've educated our audience, but you've educated me. And the next time the gun thing comes up, instead of going into the war on crazy, which, of course, is a nice benefit and a long-term gain for everybody who likes uh, holding power over the sheeple and the citizens of Gitmo Nation, I'll just say, no, 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 no. This is just so they can all get reelected. Just so they can get more women voters and get the women to run away from the Republicans. I think that's what it is. No, I, 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 I'm. It is. If you look at Occam's Razor, 
makes no, you know they don't care about the guns. You know they don't care about the citizens. They just no, don't. You, oh, Biden himself is going on about how great shotguns are and yeah. driving a Ferrari. Ferrari. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is just purely to get the women to run away from the Republicans. It's a genius stra- strategy. Genius. And I beg of you, please go and find any program, mainstream, alternative, or otherwise, who give you this type of analysis. If you do, come back and let me know about it. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. You have some people to thank for uh, supporting the show and the work we do, uh, starting with Andrew Terry in Brackley, North, North, North Tor. Uh, what is it? <laughs> I get off to a great start. Northampton. I'm like Diane. North, 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 North Diane. In this land of combination. Northampton. Let's do everyone like Diane. UK. And rather than we, personal we, mention, <laughs> could you instead play a karma shot for you and Adam? We'll take it. Oh, yeah. Gladly. You've got karma. Uh, Todd Brink in New Berlin, Wisconsin, $100. Sir AJ uh, in Caldwell, Idaho. Uh, at uh, the number is... 69! 69, dudes! He's our uh, baronet of the Treasure Valley. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't have a protector as a baronet. Well, he called, he says the... We're, this is still debatable. Well, we have to have a. You meeting. are the. You are peerage the sec- committee. You are no, no. You are the secretary of peerage, and quite honestly, you're sucking a little bit at the job. Well, I mean, you think I suck at it, but you don't have no idea how difficult it is. <laughs> but, uh, the, the actual peerage secretary of the UK has got secretaries. Well, you've but got you've got Buzzkill Jr. Are giving small areas within a barony confine to the baronets. <laughs> That's what we've decided. Yet you have no time to look up and see what title we have to give our Japanese architects. Uh, no, no, that has to be done in the database. I don't, I don't do that. Oh, you have your people uh, for the database? Somebody has to run the database program, and that means they have to pull all the numbers out, and then they're going to do that, but they didn't. <laughs> they got to feed the hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> to feed the hamsters. Somebody didn't no do it. The rush? Wait a minute. And somebody didn't. Gray, Grand Blanc, hmm. Michigan, sixty-nine, sixty-nine. <laughs> Uh, somebody that doesn't want her name mentioned, his name mentioned, or somebody's name mentioned, Odenton, Maryland, 6969. Uh, Sir Jason Stevenson lost wages in Nevada. Sir Zog and Elwood. Oh, that, and that's it. That's our 6969. 6969, dude. Sir Jason wanted to call himself out as a douchebag. Okay. Or not wishing me No problem. Yeah. Sir Zog in Elwood, Illinois, 6933. Hmm. Um. Gregory Lawrence with an O, which is an interesting. Uh, Cortland, Illinois, 6933. What? We got 6933. Oh, it says, being a techno expert like many No Agenda producers, I need to look at my IP subnet today for something at work. I mean, it happens all the time. Imagine my surprise when up comes 6933-69255. I knew this was a signal. Time to donate. Huh. I, I think donating your your internal subnet IP address <laughs> qualifies as pretty damn awesome. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. Joan Dodafrey, or St. Joan, uh, Dame Joan, Morgantown, your old stomping mm-hmm. grounds, West Virginia, 61, very long note. She wanted to let me know that she felt bad for missing my birthday. Yeah, as, as she should. But she says she's always behind in her, in her listening. Marcos Murayama Nagasaki. In Lima. Wow. wow. Peru. 
Uh, I just started a new job, and they gave me a locker to put my stuff in. It's the magic number 33 locker. <laughs> I'll give you a little. Uh... 33, that's the magic number. It's the magic number. So, um, what are you, are you a ball boy for the Mets? The Mets? I don't know. The magic number thirty three locker. Well, the per, the 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 Lima Lima Oh, uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe in this, maybe they make we have lockers. I have no idea what the working conditions are. Heather Simkin in Henley on Thames, fifty five thirteen. It's a lovely uh, there. She has a birthday coming up. Uh, Brandon Savoie in Port Orchard, Washington, 50. Mike Westerfield, Sir Mike to you, 50. And finally, Dan Greb in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, well, that, 50. That went by pretty quick. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. Hmm. But we did have uh, some good uh, big donors up at the top, so I think we evened it out. Well, I want to remind people again to go to Dvorak.org slash N-A. And uh, we didn't get any checks. We did, we had checks that came in that didn't get included, uh, partly my fault. And uh, they'll be on Thursday's show. So if anyone sent anything in with notes or anything like that, we'll read them then. Yeah. There's, there's a couple. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. We have uh, – I think this is the flip side of the donation we got from um, – uh, who was it? We uh, – I think his, his girlfriend. Well, here it is. Um, Joe Wagner says, "My fiance and I are regularly are regular listeners, and I myself am a knight." Today, she was working from home, left for ninety minutes to get her hair done and do some shopping at Target. When she came home, the lock had been picked to our place. Ten thousand dollars worth of portable electronics and all of my firearms were stolen. That's a transfer, by the way. Eerily enough, the house was left in perfect condition. My passport, cash, credit cards, plenty of other valuables, electronics were ignored. If you could send some renter's insurance karma our way in Emeryville, we could really use it right now, not feeling at all safe, knowing round two could be around the corner next time we leave the house. You know what he needs? Home automation. How about some cameras? <laughs> yeah, well, it's part of home automation. Hey, um, good news. We've got a couple of birthdays. As we just read in a rather short list today, Heather Simkin congratulates herself, celebrated uh, yesterday, and Sir AJ's son, Nate, congratulations to him. It is his birthday today. Happy birthday from Uncle John and Uncle Adam! <laughs> Didn't mean to swipe the sword at your kid there. Sorry. It was a mistake. And I do want to remind you, uh, we have a Thursday show coming up. It is episode 505. Always fun to look at the numerology. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And two nights we need to take care of today. So if you can... Uh... Are you still here? Ah, there you go. Todd Brink, Tim Saunder, step forward, please. Both of you are now welcome into the elite club of the No Agenda Knights. Uh, Todd had no special uh, special uh, moniker, but Tim certainly did. So hereby I pronounce the Sir Papsmere and Sir Todd, both knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. You gentlemen, hookers and blow, red boys and chardonnay, hot pants and booze, Winston beer, Ruben S. Women and rosé, gushes and sake, vodka and vanilla, bong hits and bourbon, sparkly side and escorts and mutton and mead. And thank you again for participating and being producers of the best podcast in 
the universe and uh, truly has been great to see uh, a lot of the feedback uh, coming in. I just want to run through a couple of notes, if you don't mind. No, go. Jean-Claude. Okay. I'd like to talk about home automation, though. <laughs> as, as, wait, are you on Leo's show today? Yeah, I am. You should, should bring it up there. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I bet you'll get him going forever. Maybe. He might be okay. a home automation guy. All right, so a lot on the giant voice system. Strangely enough, oh, yeah. uh, first of all, uh, you know, Google is now uh, in partnership with Nixie, whatever that is, and uh, they're going to start allowing safety notifications from local authorities to appear at the top of search results. So uh, the giant voice system does not just exist uh, in uh, in the real world, also on the cyber landscapes where uh, you will uh, be seeing the, you know, it's kind of like the, do you have those signs in California with like Amber Alert? Old crazy kook walking around. Get him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they have him in Washington State. Too. Kids kidnapped. So I, um, lots of information in the show notes from, um, see, uh, producer Rory sent a whole, um, uh, a whole uh, list of links uh, about who makes these things. Uh, the, uh, they're also known as mass notification systems, but I like it when it's called joint, giant voice system. But the best email I got on the giant voice system was from um, uh, Greg S. Knight of the NoHo Squirrels. And uh, he said, you know, you are missing out on a, on a great opportunity. Uh, f- and, and he sent me six different uh, scripts, little lines I should uh, read uh, for our giant voice system, which our producers are going to put in place. So, of course, everyone's going to get their own speaker system and uh, with a horn and going to put it up on your roof or uh, you know, on a pole somewhere and <laughs> slap on some solar panels to make it look like, a, like the real deal. And uh, and and we we have to provide the uh, uh, the uh, the jingles the uh, the the, uh, the alerts. Now, would you like me to read them? Yes, please do, and then people should get the recorders going. Yeah, get your recorders going, uh, John. I know you can't hear it, but I have the giant voice now on. Oh wait a minute, hold on. What, uh, if you read it with the with the echo in place, yeah. won't it just exaggerate it? Won't it be natural to the to the actual usage? Yeah, but it sounds better on the show. Read? It sounds oh, better yeah. on the show if we do it that way. <clears throat> Here we go. Attention! Please stay indoors. Chemtrails are in effect. Attention! Do not drink the water. There is fluoride in your cup. Attention, attention. 9-11 was an inside job and WTC7 won't go away. (laughs) This is like the no agenda version. There is a flu outbreak. Please stand by for the no agenda (laughs) swipe. I should have read these beforehand. Attention, there is a flu outbreak. Please stand by for the no agenda swine flu minute. (laughs) Check this one out. If you are into <laughs> God, if you are interested, jeez, <laughs> oh, you can't even do this simple chore <laughs> because it's so ridiculous. If you are interested in advertising on the Joint Voice System, please go to dvorak.org. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that's it. I think I've had enough of the giant voice. <laughs> yeah, 
Get a little more. There's a food shortage. Please stay in your homes. Wait for your ration of mac and cheese by Ayn Rand. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I thought that advertising, that would be so awesome if we yeah, just had that. From North Korea, uh, from the South Korean propaganda front lines, email from one of our producers who will shall remain nameless. Hey, guys. I think he means Heil, guys. Not sure what to make of this, but not entirely surprising. My wife has a friend stationed in South Korea, says that he doesn't know what South Korea says he that he doesn't know what South Korea US has new US news covering, but what's shown up on our news is nothing like what is really happening. He says US media has actually asked for trucks, jets, etc. to fly overhead or drive by during their shoots. And the bases are complying. It makes for great TV. He also says that routine movements as such are being attended by the media so that they can show something happening and pass it off. Phony baloney riot things that we yes. These were a bunch of guys would gather in a spot and hang around, and RT would come by and film them, and then they'd go home. Yeah, this is fantastic. Just, just the public take. Yeah, so, well, so, so apparently, like, whenever there's a live show, like, they got a producer with a script, you know, he's like, okay, all right, and action. Fly over, fly over. I want more jets. Fly over. You know, that's exactly what's happening. Wow. But this is why we have the best podcast in the universe, because we have producers worldwide, and we we take we take their information. We actually, Instead of using it to buffalo the listener. <laughs> yeah. Of course, everything is all uh, it's all ready and good to go because, you know, uh, we're ready for the nukes to launch. The U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry is on his way to Tokyo for the final leg of his tour of the Far East. He's left China, having secured an agreement to work together to reduce the mounting tension over North Korea. So he'll be in Tokyo as they come flying over. You know, my theory is they'll find, find a warhead that didn't go off, a dud. A warhead, nonetheless, and then uh, Brolf had uh, Bonky Moon on. This was this was Brolf is so sexed up. He has such a hard on about having just being on CNN. He thinks that he is the the window to the to the world. Like the everyone watches Brolf Brolf Witzer because Brolf is the. I mean, I cut it down to to like a minute. Of him and Ban Ki Moon. CNN exclusive, the United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki Moon making a direct appeal, a direct appeal to North Korea's leader Kim Jong Un in his native language. Woo! It happened during my interview with my interview. Ban Ki Moon. Listen to this. I cut here. They're watching you in Pyongyang right now on CNN. <laughs> How does he know that? Brolf really thinks that Kim Jong-un <laughs> is sitting ah, there watching. Oh, it gets worse. International. If you have a chance to speak directly right now to Kim Jong-un, <clears throat> you, you can make a statement, make some a request from him. What would you say to him? <laughs> it's like, could you play uh, Sympathy for the Devil? Oh, I'm sorry. What kind of request are we talking about? Man. Look at that camera right over there. Speak to Kim Jong-un in Korean. So I think what's going on here is Bunky Moon, you know, he still has his SAG card, but he needs a little direction on set because he gets a little forgetful. And so Brawl was like, look into that camera there. Speak, monkey boy. Speak in Korean. Kim Jong-un, Yeon-jang님에게 <laughs> Can you believe the lunacy of this, John? This is the Secretary General of the United Nations who has now been convinced by Brolf Witzer, 
to speak into the camera because apparently Kim Jong Un is he's watching. He's a huge fan of Bro. <laughs> he is a huge fan. He because yeah, I guess you know Brolf signed. A, well, Brolf was he did take a trip there. So maybe he you know left some autograph pictures, you know, some eight by ten glossies. Go there. That was a while ago. He keeps hyping about it. Yeah, well, it was a couple of years ago. All right, so so he gets Kim Jong Un. I mean, Kim Jong Un, well, same guy, whatever his, his cousin, uh, Bunky Moon, to uh, this other actor to to communicate to him, and then Brolf is going to like laud this over his colleagues. Oh, <laughs> and this goes on forever, by the way. And so then he he brings Christiana Anapur on, uh, you know, in a in a in a tri box, uh, along with uh, Farid Zakaria. And I cut out the whole, you know, because they're actually you now talking about, you know, what Dempsey said and about the missiles and not the missiles. But Brolf was having none of that because this is all about Brolf. By plane or by boat, he does not believe that they have the ability to put it on any missiles right yeah. now. But they perhaps working on that. And Brolf's going, oh, shut up, woman. Shut up. Get back, back to me. In order to deter the United States. Wolf. Fareed, uh, and, and I think these, this new DIA assessment, it is pretty chilling, uh, but l- let's get back a little bit to what Ban Ki-moon told me. First of all, he said... <laughs> yeah, that's really chilling, but let's get back to me for a second. Let's get back, let's to, get me. back to me. He would be willing to go to North Korea and speak directly with Kim Jong-un, and then when I asked him to speak in Korean to the, uh, the North Korean leader, uh, you heard what he had to say. I am Brolf. I have the power over all of these idiots. He made that direct appeal. I suspect Respect that kind of gesture is precisely what the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un would like to see to get that kind of respect, <laughs> if you will, despite the provocative steps he's taken in recent days. So is Rolf uh, made Ban Ki Moon respect Kim Jong Un? Made him respect <laughs> him, respect him. Unbelievable! It's just, it's like wow. These people just have. Anyway, so here's the real problem. This is John F. Kerry. Yeah, that's how he signs his name, by the way. JFK. John F. Kerry uh, basically laying down the, the law. Welcome back to Starting Point, everyone. North Korea will not be accepted as a nuclear power. That comment from Secretary of State John Kerry at a news conference in Seoul, South Korea, just a short while ago this morning. It comes as the North is poised for a missile launched and classified intelligence reveals Pyongyang may be capable of delivering a nuclear warhead on a... Yeah. Classified. It's also classified. It's also secret, this big script of yours. But the one I like the most. So what do you think the F stands Without looking, what does the F stand for in John F. Kerry? Well, it can't be Fitzgerald because that would just be too, too freaky. Yeah, so I'm going to think it's Francine. Forbes. Oh, yeah, I knew that actually. Forbes. <laughs> John Forbes. Because he's related to the Forbes family. It could be. Yeah, he is. No, I remember looking that up. Ugh, I'm a douche. That head is so big. Well, it's not like that, but it's a big horse head. <laughs> All right, so this is, but this is my favorite part of what we're doing, 
And this is where you know something cool is going to happen. A system that's highly visible at Pearl Harbor has been deployed, apparently to monitor the North's military activity. The oh. Navy confirms the X-Band mobile radar system set sail late last month. Nicknamed the golf ball, it is the world's most powerful mobile radar, radar system. The Pentagon reportedly deployed it to monitor North Korea, which has made numerous military threats in recent weeks. Another Pearl Harbor-based warship will be headed to the region tomorrow. So this is the uh, this is the SBX-1 uh, X-band radar system. This thing is badass. Um, it, it's, it does look like a giant golf ball on a big drilling platform. Uh, this is what they use to uh, influence um, harp-based storms with. This is kind of the ground radar for harp. And this is, uh, I'm, I'm thinking bad weather ahead for somebody. Somebody <laughs> probably, I mean, so North Korea doesn't really have a shore. Um, I guess maybe they got a little bit of the peninsula up there uh, on the Russian side. Because I guess the 38th parallel kind of runs from China uh, through the uh, through the peninsula. But uh, so maybe maybe on the right, maybe between Vladivostok uh, and and the coast there. It's not a great. And uh, let's put it this way: Kim Jong Un shouldn't be wearing his. Yeah, they have suit. a huge coast on the on the east coast, right? They have both. That, they have a west coast on the Gulf of West Korea, and then they have a huge hmm. coastline that runs all the way up from the D, the DMZ and all the way up to Russia. It's a very, actually quite long. It's the length of the country. That's what I said, but I, did, I thought they didn't have one on the on the West Coast. No, they have a West Coast one, too. Let me take a look. They got a lot of water around them. You want to have some fun? This is the place. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the uh, problem is they'll do the same damage in South Korea. Yeah, no, well, it'll it'll screw up the Chinese. I think the place to do it is the, is the East Coast because you got you got the whole peninsula nah, there all the way from South Korea, too. That's from Udok. Good. Udok. No, good. No, 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 no. Come on. This, by the way, doesn't it look like Florida? Come on. These guys it does not, look like Florida. It's like Florida and the whole... In fact, I'm going to say Superstorm Sandy was just a test. And Pyongyang is about where New Orlando York. sits, <laughs> which is where yeah. they can put Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so sad. They got to get this out of the out of the way. We got to move on this. We can't just sit around with this stupid crap going on. We got to reunite these countries, put the Disneyland in there, and just go have some fun. I mean, this place has got to be fantastic. It's untouched. Yeah, it's bo- and the story is getting boring. I mean, how long? Yeah, do they the think story they- is totally dull. How Forget long, it. How long do they think they can keep this going? I don't know. We were getting sick of it on our show, and we like this kind of thing. I do have one kind of an oddball clip. Since you're going to play, you want oddball stuff. Uh, no, I, I I want the truth and nothing but the truth. Well, this is the truth. I, you were mentioning journalists a little while ago and some of the things they do to, to phony up. Uh, well, not just journalists, know, but the media, period. The media. So I think once in a while somebody gets a hold of the PBS people because I think they I think there's a lot lack of respect. And so they get a hold of them and they give them a bullshit story. Uh, and I'm going to play this this cloning trees story now you have to remember i don't want to you know go on to a thing ask adam or anything but i don't know but most people know how do you you propagate fruit trees you take cuttings this is with grapes too you take cuttings from the trees that exist yeah and you stick them in the ground and they root you have another tree you don't take seeds from a peach and plant the seed and expect to get the same tree oh it's not gonna happen is that true i had no idea Oh, okay. Well, you, now you know. So, oh, no, way- whoa, 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 whoa. now, first of all, a peach has a pit. It doesn't yes. have. It doesn't have seeds. No, inside the no, the pit is this is a seed. 
Oh, yeah, but you made it sound like there was a whole bunch of seeds in a, in a no, peach. No, no, no. It's a single seed. I mean, a pit, an apricot has a pit, and it's, you know, you drop, you drop that thing okay, in the Okay, ground. well, hold on. So Johnny Appleseed, so Johnny Appleseed, when he went out and just dropped apple seeds, that, that didn't grow the trees? That's that's not how the, the apple tree grows? You can grow, grow a tree from a seed, and I suppose Johnny Appleseed could do that, but you don't have a type of tree. You can't get the same tree. From every one of those seeds, they're all different because they're breeding and God knows what. Most of them don't bear fruit. I have, for example, in my backyard, uh, probably about 20 uh, plum seedlings that are the result of my biting into a plum and and then eating it and then sh- chucking the seed out into the yard. And then- <laughs> Along with the with the tires and stuff in the back there? Yeah, and the thing up on, <laughs> on blocks. And uh, and I can just see I can just see you go. Hey, what's this? What's this in my plum? <laughs> so they don't give you any plums. They just blossom and they like like they look they blossom. But anyway, so the way you propagate uh, grapes, for example, you take a cabernet and you take a, a piece <laughs> of it, you stick another piece in the ground. That's the way it's done. It's called cloning. Yes. Well, apparently somebody at PBS doesn't have any clue about this. I think totally the whole staff. I wait. Guess, let me let me let me guess. And they thought that this was genetically modified. I guess. I'm not Spring sure. in Washington and the cherry blossoms have arrived. Hari Srinivasan tells us how scientists are working to keep the trees blooming. More than a million visitors flock to Washington, D.C. each spring to view the cherry trees. But the stock of original trees is rapidly depleting. On Science Wednesday, learn about how the efforts are not just to replace the trees, but to clone them. All that and more is on our website, newshour.pbs.org. Science! Hey, so... That's, that's funny. So NPR has Science Friday, but PBS has Science Wednesday? Yeah. What is this? I don't know. These people, are they don't know anything about, apparently know nothing about science with that report. <laughs> science! science! We're going to clone, to clone the, the cherry trees. No one has that's ever... That's how you do it, you idiots. <laughs> we have to clone them. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's, you know, this will be great for our Wednesday... Science! ...hour. <laughs> Science Wednesday, everybody. Now yeah. I have one more little. I got another clip where I want to run. Yeah, well, I'd love to. This is it. a rant. This is a rant. Now this is Art Laffer, who is the famous the Laffer Curve. He's a very famous. Economist. I have no idea who that is. Well, you can look him up in the okay. Wikipedia. Laffer, L A F F E R. Okay, how tall is he? It doesn't say. Uh-huh. Four two. So anyway, they um, he was in discussions. They were talking on one of these. Sh- Fox Business or something about about Buffett, who's always still making noise about taxing the rich. Got to tax him more. And so uh, this this is his little rant, which brings up my point once again. Uh, do I just play the clip and then we hear what your yeah, point is? So I thought we're in sacrifice, as they say. Warren Buffett and Obama this week. And he's yeah, no, it's the wealth tax. That's what it's got to be. Budget, he's, he's saying, if you're making more than a million bucks, you got to pay at least 30% in taxes, the Buffett yeah. rule. It seems reasonable that those of us with more should pay more. Well, we should pay more. I mean, if you make 10 times as much as I do, John, I think it's per- perfectly right that you would pay 10 times as much in taxes as I do. I mean, that to me seems perfectly, obviously fair. But when you look at Warren Buffett, what really is unfair is he paid about six one hundredths of one percent of his income in taxes. That's not fair. And that that doesn't even include his not paying capital gains because he owns Berkshire Hathaway and his company buys and sells the stocks. He doesn't do it personally. And he's also got an insurance company, as we all know, has huge tax advantages. I mean, 
Warren Buffett is the master. He's the king of tax circumvention. And to have him tell other people to pay more in taxes is truly obnoxious and hypocritical. But because he pays so little, it seems reasonable that he should say, change these rules, make me yes, pay Yes, he does, should. But he didn't. Uh, I watched every time he talked about it, and he never once suggested taxing unrealized capital gains. He never once suggested limiting the amount of deductions on gifts to your family's uh, uh, 501c3s. He never once mentioned any of that stuff. I mean, for obvious reasons, that's what would have gotten him. It, it is hypocrite. And, you know, it's like Howard Metzenbaum of Ohio, who was, the, who was the father of the estate tax, the death tax. Six months before he died, he moved to Florida so he wouldn't have to pay the Ohio estate tax. John Kerry uh, in Massachusetts buying his yacht and harboring it in Rhode Island. I mean, on and on it goes. Their behavior is not bad, John. It's their words. It's their policies. It's their, it's their recommendations and influence on others that's so hypocritical and disgusting. Oh, very nice. Nice. I like that. That's true. I got no problem with, you know, but John Kerry doesn't need a yacht. He just needs to put his head in the water. <laughs> he can sail Hop on, way. kids. So here's the point. They never bring it up, by the way. These guys will bring up these arguments, but they'll never bring it up about hypocrisy and all the rest. They never bring up the obvious, the elephant in the room, wealth tax. Yeah. We need a wealth tax. You just tax. And by the way, you take anyone out there who says, oh, God, I can't have a wealth tax because I got $2 million worth of properties. And go ahead and do the calculation. Look at what a wealth tax may, may just look at the, the, the arguments about it and take a look at the numbers and do a calculation on your own. You have to have about over five to $10 million before the wealth tax itself starts to amount to more than you're normally paying in taxes. That means that actual wealth, you have $10 million in actual wealth, you're going to start, it's going to start ratcheting. And when you get to the levels of billions, yeah, you're going to be paying a lot. But you want to be paying a lot, according to Buffett and Gates, he wants to pay more. So let him pay more by instituting a wealth tax. Why do you get so upset about this? I don't know. I just love getting upset about it. <laughs> to me, this is what the, the semi-automatic weapons are for. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you, hey, pay up, pay up. All right, I got a couple things I was tracking. So, uh, M, uh, CNBC has now officially added the Mount Gox Bitcoin uh, uh, um, rate to its uh, ticker. Oh, that's disgusting. Uh, but it's gotten worse. So now they're talking about it. <laughs> now it's now that I mean so now it just shows you how compromised this whole deal is. So I'm very 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 happy to uh, to play a couple of clips. This is Cudlow, and uh, he has a, a genius idea. Uh, you know, Robert Costa. A lot of conservatives have argued for years that we should have competing currencies. Okay, that the money the Fed prints is not reliable. So here's this Bitcoin as a competing currency. Do you think it has a shelf life? I really think it does, Larry. And it's not just about conservatives versus liberals. A lot of people in their 20s, they really like this Bitcoin. It's taking on uh, a lot of support because... Hey, those youngsters, they really like that Bitcoins. People find Damn you don't have kids. to deal with banks. It's online currency. So I think the younger generation is really going to start to click with this more. Okay, so I think, Jared, for this to work... All right, what is he going to say what is he going to say what insane thing is he going to say uh i'm not even going to take a guess bitcoins should be linked to gold that <laughs> yeah. would give them value and <laughs> permanency and that would give them legal tender the states can give it legal tender what do you think about that <laughs> what a great idea larry kudlow you know, moron all right the new york times you know they have a they have a you know, new york times of course 
the former BBC guy is now running it. And the New York Times sucks so bad, you know, with all their Hillary blowjobs that, uh, you know, no one wants to read them anymore. So now they got to do what, uh, you know, those hip kids, those 20 somethings who are, you know, love the bitcoins. They love video. Let's do a video about Bitcoin. Now we hear that the Winklevoss twins, who are known from Facebook from, as Olympic rowers, are now investing in Bitcoins. <laughs> you know when the Winklevoss twins, Olympic rowers, are investing in Bitcoin, you know something's smelly. First of all, tell the what? world, tell me what's, what's a Bitcoin. What's a Bitcoin? First of all, tell me what's a Bitcoin. I think probably the best way to describe it is as an invisible virtual form of currency. Invisible virtual form of This is the New York Times. Worse than Beanie Babies. <laughs> at least you had a little Beanie Baby. <laughs> yeah, you could look at it. You could toss it around. <laughs> I, I, Miss Mickey wasn't around. I explained the, be, the Beanie, bo, Beanie Bobby, <laughs> the Beanie Bobby phenomenon. That, remember, that was crazy. It was, oh, a, it was completely out of control. They had their own TV show where they were auctioning them off on the fly. It was a ten-cent doll, and they were going for what five hundred dollars? Oh, some of them were going into thousands. This is this is a very unique beanie booby. <laughs> it, it was created by programmers um, in oh. two thousand and nine. I love this guy explaining it to the New York Times and a very sort of complicated set of algorithms oh. that create new bitcoins. Oh. And there's a finite number. And what's been so surprising about this is that people have actually been willing to pay real money for them. How much are they worth? At this point, nothing. There's something like eleven million outstanding bitcoins, and. As of last count, that was worth about $1.5 billion. All right, so that's just going on. Just on and on with lunacy. And now that these guys are in the crazy. game. It's crazy. It's crazy. And by the way, the BTC to dollar ratio is 91 right now. So, so listen, to, listen to the spread, John. The buy, 91. The sell, 99. If this happens in a stock or in an interbank rate, it's like, you know, the, the Armageddon is here. You can't have a 10% spread. You can in penny stocks stuff that's yeah, but this is not a penny. This is ninety one dollars. It's 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 completely completely insane. Not quite as insane, though, as the conversation about uh, uh, climate change. So we have a new shill. Oh, actually, she's been a shill for a while. Uh, Gina McCarthy, who I sounds like she's from Boston, and she is being grilled uh, in the uh, Senate uh, to become the new Lisa Jackson. The new EPA administrator. Okay, hold on a second. What's her name? Gina McCarthy. Why do you want to know? I want to be looking at her picture. Oh, as I listen to her speak. Not, not sexy. Well, I went assuming that. <laughs> Listen, right. that. Oh my goodness. Yes, exactly. Let's hear what she has to say about her important agenda. As we continue our efforts, efforts. to to address. Uh, improved air quality. Yeah. We must also, as the president has made clear, take steps to address climate change. Climate change is one of the greatest challenges of our generation, and facing that challenge with increased focus and commitment is perhaps the greatest obligation we have to future generations. But I am convinced that we are up to that task. 
Common sense steps can be taken to reduce emissions of greenhouse gases while opening up markets for emerging technologies and creating new jobs. This administration has already, through our greenhouse gas and fuel economy standards, set us on a path to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 6 billion metric tons just by doubling the efficiency of cars and other light-duty vehicles by 2025, which will save consumers an average of $8,000 at the pump and reduce our reliance on foreign oil by 12 billion barrels. Well, at least she can read the script when it's right in front of her. That $8,000 thing is such bull crap. It's, yeah, in 2025. hearing it all the time. 2025, one Bitcoin will be $8,000. Who's going to give a crap about $8,000 in 2025? 2025. Jeez, Louise. All right, so then we had the... Oh, ex- wait, before you... Are you going to stay on climate change? Because I do want to play a clip. Well, I've been I, 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 I have two more. I have two more. You, you can, okay, go. I'll, I'll go. let you finish it up, okay? All right. Here I have... Uh, so in, in this, this conversation, we have Bernie Sanders, the indep- oh. independent from Vermont, who who is all over, like, you know, it, we have got to do something about climate change. Either you're for us or, or you're for the terrorists. And Inhofe... Inhofe, 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 Inhofe. Uh, he's pretty much uh, on the It's a Hoax. And they had a, a fun little tete-a-tete, which was just uh, hilarious. Cute. Let me just conclude, on, and I'm uh, glad that my colleague, Senator Inhofe, is here. Because Jim Inhofe and I are good friends, although we have rather strong disagreements on the issue of global warming. And by the way, this is why I love watching C-SPAN, because this is the kind of entertainment, top-quality, unwritable entertainment you get. And... What Senator Inhofe has written and talked about is his belief that global warming is one of the major hoaxes ever perpetrated on the American people, that it's a hoax pushed by people like Al Gore, the United Nations, and the Hollywood elite. I think that is a fair quote from Senator Inhofe. Is that roughly right, Senator Inhofe? Uh, Yes, I'd I'd add to that list, uh, moveon.org, George Soros, uh, Michael Moore, and a few others. All right, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's just laughing. It's fantastic. So that is the issue. That is exactly what the issue. Do we agree with Senator Inhofe that global warming is a hoax and that we do not want the federal government the EPA, the Department of Energy, to address that issue because it is a quote-unquote hoax, according to Senator Inhofe and others? Or do we believe and agree with the overwhelming majority of scientists who tell us that global warming is the most serious planetary crisis that we face and that we must act boldly and aggressively to protect the future of this planet? That is what the issue is, and that is why I'm supporting Gina McCarthy. Okay, very good. Very, very lovely. But then over at the XL Pipeline, we had uh, uh, Barton, Republican from Texas, and he had, I think, you know, we, we always, uh, we've talked about, you know, how it's not really going to be, remember when, when there was peak oil, John, that thing that everyone used to talk about, oh, peak oil, oh, we're going to run out of oil, oh, no more oil, oh, peak oil, it's all gonna, oh, we're all going to die, we'll have no peak oil, oh, peak oil, peak oil, peak oil, peak oil, remember that? Oh, yeah. And what we used to say, well, if, if you believe in peak oil, then there's no problem. We're going to run out of oil. End of story. We'll have yeah, nothing to burn. Yeah, global warming is solved. Solved. And people are like, uh, yeah, that's, you're not playing fair. That's you not, haven't pulled that out recently. No, though. because peak oil went away when the president started saying we got all this oil and gas. Because, you know, it turns out we didn't run out. Remember, we were on the downslope 
Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you have all those charts, kind of like Netanyahu's uh, bomb with his bomb, fuse. Bomb. Oh, we're running down. Now, listen, we're going to run out. Maybe we, you know, it's going to get really... By the way, gas now, three bucks in Texas. So so that was all a lie, obviously. Uh, but Barton takes it one step. This is why i got to use this one next time. Um, I don't think it's a secret that I'm a proponent and supporter of the Keystone Pipeline, so it's it's somewhat redundant for me to ask too many questions. So... I would point out, though, that people like me that support hydrocarbon development don't deny that the climate is changing. I think you could have an honest difference of opinion on what's causing that change uh, without automatically uh, being either all in that it's it's all because of man mankind or it's it's all just natural. I think there is a divergence of evidence. Uh, I would point out that if you're a believer in the Bible, uh, one would have to say the Great Flood is an example of climate change. <laughs> I'm with him. I think that's yeah, a... Yeah, i like to see you do that one. I, I think I can pull that one off. I'm going to wait until my Berkeley friend is back. Oh, I'm going to try it on her. I think she actually said, you you do believe in uh, in evolution, don't you? <laughs> Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, but this is. I would have called her out on that one. But is isn't that like? That's that, talk about condescending. Yeah, that's very condescending. But it's it's and you know she's a perfectly fine woman. It's just you know I. No, she sounds like a dipshit. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, problem is. is these people get hypnotized by the telescreen. This is what's happening. And they become dipshits. We literally have drugs now called soma. People don't even see the. The irony of that, and they're taking it. So I have this clip, uh, which was uh, Michael Crichton on the Charlie Rose show. It's a little long. It's not that long, but he's it's long uh, he's the he's the Jurassic Park guy. Yeah, and he's dead. Oh, he's dead. And, oh, he died. Yeah, a number of years ago. Really? Yes. I didn't know his that. last his last major book was State of Fear, which was about global climate change. Huh. And. If you listen to him on this, you can see what the problem is. Because I've known two or three people and, and people who know people that are in climate sciences. Oh, you know people who know people. I know people Ooh. who know people. Hey, so I, I, I should stop sending fan letters then, I guess. That's kind of dumb. And so one of the... <laughs> And so one of the things that keeps cropping up is that, you know, I think this is bull crap. But I, if I, you can't say anything because you get the, the amount of negative input is more than any normal person can take. So you get sh essentially sh by people like Joy Behar, you get mm -hmm. shouted down yeah. if you have any skepticism whatsoever. And Crichton in this interview mentions that this was the worst experience he's ever had in his life. Science. I like this. He picture. was yeah, shouted you. down for writing a piece of fiction. All right, here we go. About myself. I liked it actually. Yeah, thank you. And I'm trying to do another one. And um, and I'm actually, I mean, it sounds perverse to many people. But I'm proud of having done the book about global warming. I mean, because if you listen knew, to this conversation, you I have knew to be everybody was going to be against me. And I thought, this is what I believe, and I'm sorry. And I said it, and I did it, and I've taken just flack for it. But you know what? It is what I believe. And and, and you're proud the, that you did it because of you 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 went into a rough seas very rough seas and nasty and personal and brutal and unfair and mean well what was and, nasty and, brutal and, unfair and mean 
oh, Charlie, this is, I mean, you, you want to look at what people say. For example, when I started talking about genetics, people said, well, you know, you might get some criticism for this. Well, I haven't gotten any criticism for genetics, let me right. tell you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know what criticism is. But I, I've had the experience of having had books in print for 40 years. So I can go back and look at the stand that I took in favor of abortion when I was a medical student in Boston in 1967, six years before Roe v. Wade, and I can look at that and go, was I right or not? And I think, damn it, I was right. And I'm imagining when I wrote this book, when I wrote The, the um, State of Fear, I was imagining what's it going to look like in 40 years? I think I'm going to come out just fine. So, uh, of course, I didn't read State of Fear, um, but what uh, what what did he what was in it? It's just a, it's a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> ah, OK, I get it. The science is in science. Science. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know what? He thinks he got it bad. You should see my email. Crichton. Oh, I'm sorry. He's dead. <laughs> Yeah, you should read my email. Oh my god! And, yeah, you should read. You should have a. We should have a special spot like once a month where we, Adam reads his email. Oh well, should I just? Oh well, pff, please. pull one up. Uh, uh, let me let me pull let me pull one up. And uh, okay, all right. Um, I can. Uh, I just got to go to my sent my sent box because that's where all the good. Did stuff you is. respond to these people? Well, you know what? When people are. When, they, when they're producers of the show, okay, so here is uh, title, uh, where's the subject line here, uh, nice play, ass clown, that always gets my attention, <laughs> Adam. That is not a producer of the show. Yeah, yeah. Your take on Gabriel Giffords is obscene. Take a bullet to your brain and come back better than she has. Then you can say she's gaming us. My fucking God, you have truly shown your true colors. You are a waste of water. The N.A. show is all for show and dollars. Congratulations, though. You and J.C.D. by his letting you take this position have truly taken taking to the max. And then he has... His, his signature is, Think green. Don't print unless it's absolutely necessary. Oh, he's got one of those little, little disclaimer at the bottom of yeah. his email saying, don't print this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that one just went on and on and on and on and on. Um, but, you know, it's stuff like that. And, you know, and, and I read that, and, and these are very smart people who, I guess he came in later into the game. That's why I wrote down, like, we got to re-explain the Gabriel Giffords thing, because when you really look at what happened and what we saw... Which was not a, a head wound gushing. There was fact that they didn't even have some, not even a compress on her head when they were rolling her into the uh, ambulance, which is kind of weird for someone whose head supposedly was blown open. You know, and then all these actors and no, all this stuff. You have to get that from, old show. We have to dig up what that show was and then refer yeah. people to it. Yeah, but but, but, but I, I realize that is also a flaw in the program. A flaw is that we you know we forget. That we already yeah. Not everybody who's listening to this show right now yeah. has listened exactly. to five hundred plus shows, and they know all the memes and all Shit. the background. I haven't even the basis for the memes. I haven't even listened to all these shows. I mean, I'm I have rarely listened. To this <laughs> no, I mean, even when I'm doing it, I'm not really paying attention. Well, I've noticed that, but that's kind of <laughs> hey, 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 hey. In the morning. All right. 
Do you want to, let's see, we can go out with, uh, I got two things to... Uh, Another email. You, <laughs> you like that. You don't get those emails. See, this is no fun. I usually get, my, the way people attack me is usually on some public forum. You, I, I'm convinced that you just don't, you just don't read your email. Oh, I no, I read and answer all my emails. Everyone knows Bull that. Oh, crap. No. Uh, let's see if I can find another one for you. But it is the internet era, and so you have to take these with a grain of salt. Uh, what do I have here? Uh, oh, yeah, that was the carjack. I already, already did the carjacking one, right? Yeah, yeah, the guy called you out for saying there's no crime in Texas. Yeah, yeah, I already did that one. That that was pretty tame. But, you know, it's uh, so I've, I've, I've already learned, you know, kind of to ignore the chat room unless there's like a whole bunch of exclamation marks like, oh, we must have really messed something up. Because people just are just snarky. But what you I just gave them a code now. Now you're yeah. going to see these exclamation marks all <laughs> over the chat. But here's what I find in, in nine out of ten cases. And that's why I respond. Honestly, it, it is a – I do it as a public service because I know that someone's really angry and they call me names. And, in fact, this guy also uh, – I should read you the other email he sent me. Um, and he's probably a very a very smart guy. Um Necessarily. Yeah, no, I think he is. Um, hold I, on a second. I doubt it. I got to look at it under subject. I love squirrel mail. It's pretty good. Here we go. Same guy. Uh, subject pig. Adam, pig. you are a pig. No offense intended to real pigs. Until you acknowledge. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Until you acknowledge that your position regarding Gabriel Gifford's speech shortcomings is hardware determined rather than otherwise. Take a bullet to your brain and come back better than she has. So, um, in nine out of ten cases, I will reply to these, not because, you know, I really am that hurt, although it is annoying. Um, but because I know that I'll go back and, and and I won't yell at people and say, hey, man, you know, that was kind of unnecessary and here's how I think about it. <laughs> and people will usually, nine out of ten cases, they'll wind up apologizing. Yeah, you know, I really shouldn't have said that and I was just confused and my wife left me and my dog died and I haven't paid the rent in two months. And people literally take their their huge anger and baggage and throw it onto me. And I have just learned to accept it and I'm here for you. I'm here for you when you need that friend, that friend who talks to you through your earbuds and you think he's the guy, he's the, he's the problem. It's his fault. It's his fault. You can come to me. You can come to me and you can yell at me and I will reach out with the other hand and embrace you. <laughs> I think when I'm doing that speech, you need to play a little more kind of like in a D minor the whole time. D minor is not going to. Okay. But I don't have to get the right. I got a D minor here, but I don't. Hey, is the Confederate flag, is that considered racist? Yes. I didn't know that. Is that something yeah. of uh, of late? Because remember we had the Dukes of Hazard. You had the Just General the 60s. Lee. No, come on. Then So you're telling me the Dukes of Hazard was one big racist show? Yeah. Really? Yeah, by the standards of the people who think that flag is racist. But is that flag really racist? Uh, is flying it's a flag. No. <laughs> it's a flag. racist going to be? <laughs> hey, you flag, stop calling me a honky. So, I, when did this become... Con so, if you fl so I, didn't, I did not know 
that wearing a Confederate flag or or just oh, having yeah. sure wearing a Confederate flag total racist really yes jeez I'm glad I found out I had no idea well you have a Confederate flag shirt that you're going to wear to the farmers market then yeah. the Sunday yeah I got a Leonard Skinner shirt well there you go I didn't know this hmm. so when did this become racist. I think it became racist after a bunch of battles in, South, in the South Carolina uh, legislature about the Confederate flag. It's, I think it all stems from action in South Carolina and Georgia. And huh. then it became kind of synonymous with a redneck racist. I don't know. It just it evolved. It was an evolution. It wasn't a, a revolution when it came to this. It just okay. evolved into a racist thing. Well, I stand corrected. I, 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 there was this whole thing, you know, LL Cool J and Brad Paisley, he's a country guy. You know, they did a song together. And you know, there's this whole thing on the New York Times uh, new music podcast about you know the Confederate flag being racist. I'm like, I don't know. I just I I remember it, it used to be kind of cool, but it was never considered racist. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. This must have this must be something from the eight late 80s or something. I'd have to do a little research, and I could probably could you do that? It. I'm I'm interested to see when this happened when when it became racist. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it over the next few I mean, weeks. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I can give you a real good explanation when I, if I just do a little research. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm live in the Berkeley area. I know all these things. It's, well, I can tell it's racist. <laughs> you can talk to some Hummers up there, and I'm sure they can tell you all about it. Um, and then I think uh, the only thing that uh, I'd, I think is just interesting we need to play. The drone again. So Tommy Vitor... Uh, used to be the national security spokeshole for Obama. And he's a young guy. And this guy, if he's 30, then, you know, he can't be a day over 30. Very young guy. And he's on, uh, God knows what he's on. Uh, oh, the lead with Jake Tapper. Uh, the lead with Jake Tapper on CNN. And if you want to know how the Obama administration thinks about killing people with drones, just listen to this guy who he started his own political consultancy now. So I, you know, I guess he's going he's to become a lobbyist. Makes you know, the, he also uh, the speechwriter. They teamed up and they've created this lobbying firm, which is the whole reason he's on Jake Tapper to promote his his connections to the White House. But I was just listening to him like yeah, this sounds exactly like the way they actually think inside the uh, the White House. And its assertions that civilian casualties have been exceedingly rare. You've seen you saw this report from McClatchy. Um, what's your response? It seems to me that there. I mean, a lot of the coverage from the McClatchy report was Obama administration is not telling the truth about who, who we're targeting, who our drones are targeting. I mean, I think the Obama administration has actually talked a lot about this. They target al-Qaeda and associated forces uh, across the globe. And the good thing about a drone versus other tools is that you can be incredibly precise. A drone can loiter on a target for days, if not weeks, to make sure that women and children are not in the area. <laughs> Do you hear this? Do you hear weeks. this? Weeks. Bullcrap. Weeks. It's, it can loiter for weeks, and it's incredibly precise. A drone can use a far more uh, precise munition than, say, an F-16. But, but in, this, but in, in fact, these examples I looked at, they, they aren't always. It says yeah. that they, they're not always sure who they're killing. Uh, no, in, it's a war. I mean, there's a war. In, ah, there it is. It's a war. That's the excuse. In, uh, oh, wait, hold on a second. Wait, uh, send me a, give me a link to the, to, to the war uh, uh, declaration of war. And Pakistan, no less. It's, no, no, it's a war on Al Qaeda. They want to kill America. Just listen. Just, I, I still want to see a declaration of war. Yeah, of course not. But listen, li, li, this is how they think. It's a war. I mean, it's there's a war, a war in uh, Afghanistan. There's a global war 
against Al Qaeda. A global war against Al Qaeda. Uh, and, ah. you know, it's a horrific consequence of war that innocent people sometimes die. What I do know, having been in the White House, having been in these discussions, is that the president cares deeply about limiting oh, civilian boy. casualties and doing everything bitch? possible. <laughs> Listen to him. Possible to make sure we're precisely targeting. Al we're doing everything possible to make sure we're we're targeting them precisely. I, this is what I do know, having been in the White House. Limiting civilian casualties and doing everything. Oops! What the hell happened there? Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Limiting civilian casualties and doing everything possible to make sure we're precisely targeting Al Qaeda and these other extremist groups that are trying to kill Americans. They're trying to kill Americans, John. Shut up, slave. Well, we we don't hear much about him from him about this decision, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, is he wrestling with the same ethical issues that the rest of us see when we look at this story about the innocent people who are dying, whether or not it's turning people against the U.S. instead of for the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've talked to him directly about absolutely. these issues. I mean, these, he cares deeply about the moral and ethical underpinnings of these issues. Sure. Uh, so do his top staffers. And it's something they talk about constantly at the White House uh, to make sure that, you know, the question is not can we legally take a drone strike it's should we is this the right policy is this a, a tool we're using as a last resort so they don't even care about the legalities it's just should we do it now or later those are the sorts of things they wrestle with in the white house uh, and will continue to do you know you heard from him in the state of the union about some of these issues i think you'll hear a lot more uh, over the next four years because these are important legacy issues oh it's right. a legacy issue he'll be known as the drone star president <laughs> drone obama and that's uh, that's for his boring, hail everybody speeches, and for his killing of innocents. And then uh, and then Bachman, I just got to play this because it's just because she's she's right on with the questions. Did you see this with uh, her her questioning of John O. Brennan? No. Oh, this was this. It's. First of all, she looks She's persona non grata now, so she can do whatever she wants. Yeah, and and I love her demeanor in this. And she, I have to say, she looks extre for, for she looks extremely cute. She close up. She looks really good. Just close up. She's total milfy. We know she's three foot nine and everything, but I just love this back and forth between her because she ha she knows what happens. She knows what happened in Benghazi. She knows what's going on with the drones. Uh, and even the, the DIA clapper uh, interjects and says something really stupid, which we didn't know. Just listen to this. A question of Director Brennan. When the White House conducted their armed drone strikes in North Africa, particularly in eastern Libya, prior to the attack on our mission in Benghazi on 9-1-1 last year, did the White House notify the State Department of the armed drone strikes before they were made? So this is very interesting. This is something we have not heard before. And she sits on the Intelligence Committee. She says, when the White House struck with their drones, did they tell the State Department? So she's basically saying the White House did this. And she's asking Brennan, who at the time, of course, was in charge of this as the uh, advisor to the White House, if they if the State Department, if they told the State Department this was taking place. Brennan is not going to have any of it. For those of you who've forgotten, Brennan is now running the CIA. Uh, armed drone strikes in Libya? What? Um, I'm unknowing of, of such, and I would defer to the White House to uh, address your question. I'm unknowing of such. Were there any armed drone strikes in northern Africa that were made by the White House? White House doesn't have uh, a drone capability, responsibility, whatever, so... <laughs> No, no, they don't have a direct capability responsibility. Did they have any directives toward having armed drone strikes in North Africa? 
Again, I don't know what it is specifically referring to, but uh, again, I would defer to the White House on whatever <laughs> happened at that time. Isn't this great? I just love how you can say, you know, you should go talk to those guys, not to me. Well, I can oh. speak to the capability. The, here's, here's a clap. The UAVs that were over flying over uh, Libya were military and were unarmed. So, and this is what, another thing we've never known. Even though we've heard that they had drones flying around for hours with video, and there's tons of videotape of uh, the raping of uh, of Stevens and killing, subsequent killing, uh, all due to the uh, insanity of this uh, of this administration in trying to get the president reelected under false pretense. And so, were there any armed drone strikes that were made in North Africa prior to nine one one in Libya? I'm asking in North Africa. I'm asking the. I'm asking Director Brennan. Were there any armed drone strikes that were made by the United States in North Africa prior to 911? Well, we usually don't talk about any type of specific <laughs> actions, but uh, I, again, I don't know what you could be referencing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't Trying write to get this. Somebody to say something. She's just giving up. She's done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's way done. But I like that she kind of gave it up. She she told us that the, that there was an armed drone strike. I like that. She slipped it in there. That, that'll that'll be handy. There'll be some future reference, and you and I will go. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's basically code. And then I guess we have uh, the big uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, burial. Uh, Oh, I, thought we were, I was hoping the guy would get through the whole show, the last show, and the next show without bringing this up. No, I just, I was just going to say, pay attention to everyone who's there. This is going to be a star-studded celebrity gathering. Yeah, even though none of them ever met the woman. No, they're, but they're all part of the Pedo Bear Network because you know Margaret Thatcher. You, have you seen, just just Google Margaret Thatcher Jimmy Savile? And sit back and watch the fun. <laughs> Her whole cabinet is what started all of this. These people are just sick. Even though, uh, you know, without Thatcher's policies, uh, Britain would have been crap a long time ago. It, the, end, the end result is the same. It's crap. Looks like a few good things here. There she is with Savile, and he's got a big 99 thing going on. 99? Oh, that was... 99 kids killed this year. (laughs) I don't know. What was that? I don't know. Um, This guy's just the creepiest guy. You know, he looks like... I'm looking at the picture of him with this big cigar in his mouth. Can you go go Google... Here's the Google thing I did that I got this picture. Margaret Thatcher, Jimmy Savile with one L, and then uh, hit images. And there's a picture of him in the second row with this big cigar in his mouth. Uh, hold on. I'm hitting images. Play along, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah play along. With, with the, uh, yeah, 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 with the really big cigar? Yeah, John Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, doesn't he look like yeah, John Kerry? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Got the same big oblong head. <laughs> he looks like John Kerry. <laughs> if John Kerry was a comic, yeah, uh, he would look like this. It may be this. Have you ever seen John Kerry and Jimmy Savile in the same picture? Let's check. Let's check. Let's check. John. Remember to F. John F. Kerry. No, I do not believe we have any images of the two of them in the same picture. There you have it. I think we've stumbled onto another interesting tidbit. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting tidbit, all right. Hey, we went over. We shouldn't be doing this. I know. You're the one that had all these extra things. I thought we were going to finish up. Well, I'm sorry. Got me distracted and I'm looking up images. 
Uh, we need to talk about, uh, on Thursday, we need to talk about the new tax evasion uh, mission in Euroland. Uh, along with uh, the Dutch banks, man, this is no joke. Uh, their, you know, their online banking keeps failing. People's accounts keep going to zero and overdrafts and all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, it sounds like a test. Yeah, well, it's been going on for a while. It is definitely concerning. And we'll uh, hopefully we'll have a um, a version of the CISPA. Um, bill, which is all being done in secret, so I can't really comment on it until I can see it. And when that happens, uh, we'll have a, a complete breakdown, of course. So please remember, Dvorak.org slash NA, we need as much help as we can get to continue on our quest. And until uh, next week, coming to you from um, the Travis Heights hideout in the morning, everybody, uh, my name's Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I'm reading tweets... John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. Put it in the red book. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.